Well, this has been Wowcast. Wowcast. <laughs> wow! <laughs> what? Is that like a jaguar? Yeah, but the jaguar is saying wow. You know Wow! <laughs> oh my god. A jaguar saying wow. Uh, that's <laughs> terrific. Hey man, I fucking try shit. I learned how to not really edit a video too well. Uh, I learned how to make a YouTube channel, kind of. Um, and now I'm learning how to do bad voiceover work. So watch out, world. Here comes John. Wow, talk about a multi threat. Yeah, like I'm going to get an EGOT eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's uh that was uh, Egon's old show where he <laughs> would prank you, right? Yeah, you, you got you got it. That's right. <laughs> you just sat on a slinky. You just got E got it. E got I can't even do my own thing. You just got E got. Uh, it sounds like when you flush the toilet on an airplane. <laughs> Fuck you. Pop Saga, you know we keep it groovy. We talking cartoons, books, TVs, and movies. A couple of nerds, but got style. We so cool. Pop culture, talking new and old school. Yeah, you should know we love hip-hop. From the roots, Ty Lib, shout out to Feral Munch. We giving you what you want. It don't get no live. I ain't no doubt we got you. This is Pop Saga. Let's go. Oh, yeah, you heard right. This is a lifestyle. Welcome to the nerd life. Pop Saga. Hello, and welcome to Pop Saga Presents Pop Scares Ya, where we're going to talk about a movie so heinous it will melt your mind. John, you need to stop the intro. It's about the future of Pop Saga. Are you John from the future? That's right. If you continue talking about this scary movie, Pop Saga will turn into a, like, a, a ring thing. People who listen to it will die of fright. Why do I sound like that? Like, what happened to me in the future? Instead, talk about something a little more wholesome. Got it. Talk about this scary movie, we ring up the world. Talk about another movie, we are in the clear. That's it! I've got to go! Bye! You didn't answer my question, why do I sound like that? Okay, anyway. Anyway, welcome to Pop Saga Presents Pop Scares You, where we're going to talk about uh, Back to the Future. That good with you, Forrest? Back to the Future? Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I remember it well enough. Okay, cool. Uh, it was written by Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis, and also directed by Robert Zemeckis. Uh, I didn't really think of any names, so I am uh, Doc John, and as always, I'm joined by uh, Forrest McFly. Yeah, yeah that works. <laughs> How you doing, McFly? Oh, I'm doing great. That was a terrific <laughs> intro. I can't believe that we saw the older you. And um, the thing I think that really uh, threw me off is that he just looks exactly the same as you do. 
but his voice is different and he would not tell us why but uh same, just same exact he's like wearing a shirt i think it might be the same shirt you're wearing today this might be even later today yeah i mean i don't know how much into the future but i really want to know what happens to my voice because <laughs> that scared the shit out of me you're just like wow uh maybe doing this podcast is really bad for my voice yeah it's like smoking two packs a day or something i don't know what's up (laughs) he's all like i can't even i can't even try to do the voice yeah it's also crazy that you got a hold of a working time machine that is so similar to the back to the future time machine but different in key ways for copyright reasons yeah it's not a delorean it's a Le car. It, <laughs> right. You know, it's smaller. It fit in the uh, Pop Saga Studios just fine. Um, I mean, his back still looked like it hurt, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not that much in the future. I really need to know what happened to my voice. But, uh, mm. yeah, I figure, well, you know, if, if he's saying... What the movie we we're going to talk about today was so scary that it would like ring up the world. Eh, we can talk about Back to the Future. I think that's okay. I mean, yeah. I will admit when I saw this this unnamed movie that we were going to talk about today, that we will, you know, much like Voldemort, uh, uh, we won't bring up for any number of reasons. Um, but I will admit that after watching it, a a small ring type incident did happen uh in my apartment and um yeah yeah side note unrelated but how does one get rid of a dead ghost (laughs) asking for a friend oh um uh so the last time i had a dead ghost situation it was it was pretty easy to deal with uh we just moved and yeah uh, that seemed to solve the problem that yeah well it's starting to smell so uh yeah <laughs> i guess we should just talk instead about back to the future let's forget about this evil cursed movie that we will never name or reference again but everyone out there can t- take a guess right into g- at the po- or the pop saga at uh gmail no. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, the pop saga at Gmail or uh, DM us on Twitter at the pop saga or even message us on Instagram at the pop saga. Yeah, and, and give a can, guess yeah. on what well, this totally real movie that we were totally going to talk about today but aren't but totally were going to is. Yeah, you'll be wrong, but feel free. A wild guess. Yep. Uh, um, That being said, with all that that business out of the way, man, I am excited to talk about this amazing movie. Um, Because Mm -hmm. not only does this this uh, our actions today save the world from a ring ring type occurrence, the ring type occurrence. um, I don't think we need to be proper with it. I think everyone understands when we're talking (laughs) ring. You don't want to be like the ring, right? Because I mean. I mean, to be fair, we could also, like, if you say The Ring, people could be thinking we're talking about The Ring of Power from Lord of the Rings. Um, and that's true. That being said, also, yesterday, your your time, when you're hearing this, a little time travel of our own, 
Um, but when you hear this, uh, yesterday will have been national, rec- nationally recognized holiday, globally recognized holiday, one would hope, uh, Back to the Future Day, the date that uh, Marty went to uh, in Back to the Future 2. Um, we celebrated it, in t- started celebrating it in 2015, I think, and then ever since it has become, at least to us, it's a like great a great holiday. Yeah, it's a better holiday than most. One day I can't wait to be able to get that day off. That'd be nice. Hey, sorry, I can't come in. It's Back to the Future Day. Oh, what <laughs> happened? Oh, Back to the Future Day observed. Sorry, not coming. It's three-day weekend. But, uh, so yeah, those two things together, those two, those two, coinc- those two purely coincidental things uh, are why we are talking about back to the future today and uh i'll just come right out and say it i don't want to uh, i don't want to um you know kind of uh, let the cat out of the bag so to speak what a weird phrase that is as an aside let the cat out of the, keep the cat out of the bag the cat doesn't want not want to be in the bag yeah how did the cat get there in the first place and why won't you let it out like i understand yeah. if it's a demon cat sure but you know, if it's a regular cat, just <laughs> yeah, let it out. Sure. In that narrow circumstance, yeah, very uh, narrow. It's okay. Um, but that is the one and only caveat we'll make to that rule. Let the cat out of the bag, you guys. Let him out of the bag. What's hey. it gonna hurt? <laughs> What's it gonna hurt? But um, yeah, I just want to say that this is one of my favorite movies of all time, and uh, it uh, continues to be so. It is. Uh, it is just there's a great. A great film. Can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, I'll let the cat out of the bag. I fucking hate this movie, so let's go. Lies. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a message paid for by the uh, Wow Jaguar. Wow. It's Wow Jaguar. You can tell he's saying wow. Wow. Yes. There are no Jaguar in this film, um, uh, let alone any Jaguar that are attempting speech. Um <laughs> That would have been for maybe for a cooler movie. <laughs> it's like, Marty, Marty, we gotta go back to, you know, whatever. And all of a sudden he's like, wow. It's like, what happened to Marty? I don't know. I don't have a good Doc Brown. Yeah, we just learned that. Wait a minute. Maybe that's where that fucking voice came from. <laughs> I love your Doc Brown because it sounds like Doc Brown it, as played by Danny DeVito. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. It's a I'll really it. good. I love it. It is. It is. Uh, it's just the funnest thing to listen to. Um, because I, I don't even. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't even venture to uh, try such a such an awesome voice. But, um, I think as sort of as tradition by this point, um, uh, John, why don't you tell me? Do you remember when you first saw? Yeah, I don't have like a, a clear cut origin story. At that point, I think we did have cable, so I could have seen it on cable. Our friend could have rented it later for sure. 
I mean, I saw the other movies in theater. Those, I could even tell you which theaters I saw them in. But <laughs> the first one, for some strange reason, I can't. But um, how about you? Um, so, yeah, for me, um, my uh, it turns out actually my mom is like a huge fan of this movie. Um, and mm-hmm. I don't really know where she saw it first, but I remember we got the the uh, the tape from Costco um, shortly, you know, when it came out on VHS after it was released. I didn't see the original in theater, as far as I remember. Um, but uh, we used to watch that tape all the time, and the VHS tape, I believe, had a teaser, at least in title only, uh, that a second one was coming out, I think. Like, uh, you know, the adventure continues in Back to the Future 2. Um, yeah, I, I know. Go ahead. I know, so, I know some of them had to be continued at the very end of the Yeah. Uh, right, in the font. Yeah. That's what, yeah. okay. They, that's what uh, I'm thinking of, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I had remember just waiting. I We love that movie. We used to watch it all the time as a as a family just because it was such a I mean it's it's a great movie for families um but it's just like a fun movie for all ages and um I remember waiting like what felt like an just like an eternity for Back to the Future 2 uh to come out and at least as a kid I actually preferred the second one um just because I was just completely head over heels in love with the uh, the aesthetic of the 80s futurism in the far distant year of 2015. I know. Um, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I could, I could completely see that. Like, one goes back in the 50s, whatever, but here you are in the future with uh, shoes that lace up themselves and hoverboards peps, uh, hoverboards yeah hoverboard was that was something where all the kids were like when are hoverboards coming out i can't wait to get my hoverboard and yeah i'm still waiting because the only yeah. hoverboards they came out with are those ones that blow up you know those, yeah those or fake... the uh the actual prop that were like it slides on carpets and everyone's like cool thanks yeah so now I just got this pink streak up my carpet because <laughs> friction, <laughs> right? <laughs> wow, that's a uh, that's a very uh, <laughs> that's a very uh, rough carpet. Um, well, you know, I rent, right? <laughs> so say we all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I th- that's cool. I mean. I think we both did see it in theaters, which is like a, a change from our usual comparison of uh, backstories with this property. But, um, but surely it's a it's a fun one to revisit. So, uh, would you like to jump right in? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's, do it. let's talk about 1985's Back to the Future. Um, so right up front. It's like Steven Spielberg, Robert Zemeckis. That's all we I'm are. Play. I don't the get ones. <laughs> what? Go ahead. I was like, no, I don't want to get us a, a fucking spotted. So that's all I'm going to play. That main theme. Right. <laughs> I think that's good. 
Um, but they're really, yeah, they, they definitely say right up front, like, uh, you're gonna, you're in for a, a great time. Look at all the, the talent behind this movie. Yeah. Steven Spielberg presents it's a universal picture, you know, uh, Robert Zemeckis. Yeah. You're, you're getting hit with the top quality names. And, um, and of course, as a kid, you don't know that you just, you're just like, cool, get to the movie. And I distinctly remember seeing this the first time. And, uh, I love how you just get like right into it. It's a very modern feeling movie, uh, in that way. Um, because you're kind of greeted with that, uh, that just sort of the, the panning across all of the different clocks. Mm-hmm. And I think I remember distinctly as a kid thinking at this point being like, "Uh Oh, is this movie going to be lame? <laughs> <laughs> Got a lot of clocks. I don't know. Seems they're uh, pretty kind of cheesy and old. Although, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I wanted one of those cat clocks with the eyes that are like left, right, left, right. Of course. Who didn't? Like the cat clock was the 80s Billy the Bass, like Billy the Mouth Bass or whatever, the little fucking thing that would sing to you. Big Mouth Bass. Big Mouth Bass, there you go, singing at you at Walgreens or something, where it's like, you know, take me to the river, you know, but instead of just a <laughs> told you time, I think Is something that like a song? Sure. Holy camoly, yeah, of course yeah. a bass would say, asked to be taken to when you the river. You you, yeah, what do you think he's going to be sitting, sitting there singing? It's like, you know, I just want to fly in the, no, <laughs> he wants to go back to the waters. Well, that's great. I I always thought he did country, but man, if he did, I just want to fly. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like a birdie I, in the sky. So high. Oh yeah, he did pretty much just like you know early nineties uh, contemporary music for sure. For sure. Okay, I thought it, sure. it was just like um, I thought it was all country stuff. Uh, well, but, don't you um, don't you remember his his other hit was like Big Mouse Bear. This bad or whatever. Fuck, I fucked that up. <laughs> what are you? T- I was trying to do Backstreet. you know Backstreet Boys or back, but you know, bass? yeah, but no, Big Mouth Bass is back. Yeah, that was for the relaunch in 2016. Yeah, um, Short lived. Yeah, flop your body. Did you say yeah. flop your body? Yeah, because that's all he oh, did. Right, Remember you flop. Give us a call. You know, I mean, I'm sure you're a busy man. You need a couple ghost riders. Obviously, John has demonstrated we've got the bona fides. So you oh, know no. our number. 555-555-555. Well, we definitely do have the bona fides. Uh, I'm a talented songwriter. You're definitely a talented songwriter and singer. Fresco, that slush at the bottom of your trash can with combination. <laughs> I'm so, I've never been so pleased uh, that I have a drop that is. <laughs> You're on the main soundboard. Me. You're on the main soundboard. I've since editing that episode. Uh, don't worry, folks. We'll get right back to Back to the Future. I promise. <laughs> um, uh, there it goes again. Uh. He just ran out. That's he crazy. Out. Like, For someone who doesn't like running, man, you really can move. It's future. You know, who knows what happens? <laughs> That's what happens. 
that explains the voice yes but anyway yeah no editing the last episode just listening to that over and over again so much so i had to pull your track cut that portion out just so i had it just for me <laughs> and then i was like i'm a it's it's going on the soundboard so there you go that, that's, that's how much fantastic I, I, tears <laughs> in my eyes listening to it i mean like my sciatica flared up every time i was laughing listening to it but it was well worth the pain so there you yeah. go yeah well in case anyone out there was wondering we are a mess we both <laughs> like <laughs> like somebody who's who's synced, like two people who have synced up their cycles uh we both got sciatic sciatic pain at the same time <laughs> So, yeah, let's all sit around and watch some more movies, because... <laughs> that's all we can do. That's all we can do. Um, um, but to answer your early question, <clears throat> yes, I like the cat clock, and maybe I'll still buy one one day. Um, yeah, and before we really get back into it, um, Fresca, okay. if you're listening, at us on Twitter. We could write a whole song that's just like that. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, let's like continue. Good, like good four minutes of just... Sure. <laughs> I mean, we already got two bars, but yeah, no, I I always thought this was a. I can understand your your original like, is this movie going to suck with all the clocks? But as we're kind of panning around, and you know, you're seeing like pictures of Edison, uh, Benjamin Fra- Franklin, and Einstein. I knew the movie was going to be good when there was like any sort of robots. So like seeing that automatic dog food opener. Yeah, it's like, a real Pee Wee Herman, you know, Pee Wee's Big Adventure sort of Rube Goldberg breakfast machine. Yeah, and, and that's when I knew something was going to be magical. Yeah, because no I mean, one goes to that like, trouble. I think what I, you you made a good point earlier about how this movie sort of hits you in a different way when you're older. Um, so. I've never looked at it in the context of actually like talking about it and, and putting that, you know, down on wax, so to speak. So I really paid attention, attention. Um, and they do a, an incredible job with this like single shot panning over all these clocks and like the different aspects of docs, doc Brown's life, um, setting up like the backstory of that character. So we don't really have to, to like spend time you know using exposition to show it later they have those newspaper click clippings that talk about like the fire in his mansion just the sliver of a single bed like jammed up against the wall of of this garage uh it's like a they do it and they do that they pan past the tv and it's doing that newscast talking about the missing plutonium like everything you need to know about that character and about like the context of what's going to happen next is set up in that scene. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's incredible. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I know these people who are doing it are, uh, you know, auteurs and like masters of their craft. And so it's not original or interesting to say how, how this just feels, uh, like it's just like an incredible se- sequence to watch, but it is, like so many movies don't do this. They don't trust you to to absorb this information without shoving it in your face. And uh I think like that represents itself throughout this entire movie. Yeah, 100%. You hit it right on the head. Like just 
it it rewards you for paying attention, but it doesn't dumb it down by yeah uh, having a bunch of exposition expositional like moments. You know, we 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 comment about them constantly. Like who shows up to kind of give you a little bit, and and they're in the movie as well. You know, like uh, when Marty shows up. Like, you know, as he's walking through here, you're just trying to figure out exactly, like, okay, how how did this relationship start? Like, how did these two meet? <laughs> well, um, I remember as a kid, I was just like, oh, this is, like, some, like, friend of their parents that he can just go over and, like, fuck around in their garage when he wants. Um, uh, he, before we get too far ahead, I want to just ask you real quick. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid... That scene where it dumps that dog food onto so the rotten dog food, it just was so disgusting to me. Yeah, and it was still is it, right. Seeing it <laughs> like um, elicited the same visceral sort of like disgusted reaction. Um, so, but yeah, Marty shows up and he's like a young cool kid. He's got some weird sunglasses and. Uh, Man, I did not remember how small this little electric guitar he has is because he's there. He's like, we get a really cool scene of just like random dials being turned on. And at first you kind of like think, what is he turning? It's like, what's this invention? What is this Mm -hmm. contraption? And then it's like a giant, comically giant amp. Yeah, like something that if existed in real life and you played in front of it would kill somebody. There's no way you're surviving yeah. the sound coming out of that. It's turning your bones to jello. I, I think I have a little toy guitar in my office that is bigger than the guitar yeah. he's playing. It's like here. an electric ukulele with a with a sort of full-grown adult guitar's neck pasted onto it. So trippy. And then, yeah, when he just fucking plays it, it just blows up and knocks him back. Uh, I was like, oh, shit. And he survived that. I was like, this would have been the end of the movie. Yeah. But it is insane how that one scene, the comically oversized amp, the fact that it explodes and shoots him across the room and he's okay, sort of sets up, uh, again, it's like giving you texture and background to, to Doc Brown's character. Um, not only has he el- have all these like trash and crazy clocks everywhere, but he's also building this giant amp. Um, and he has his telephone hooked up to the fire alarm, uh, which uh, I thought that was a funny detail because uh, alarm starts to go off and you think, oh, is the fire is that the fire alarm because an explosion just <laughs> happened? Uh, <laughs> no, it's the phone. Um, and we get a fucking great joke about the amp. He's like, you better not use that today. There's like, uh, it might cause some, uh, some, some issues or whatever he says. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, aware of that. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> keep that in mind. He's like, yeah. I'll keep that in mind. While he's looking back at this, like the destroyed, uh, destroyed speaker and uh this is cool that marty asked about einstein um and and you kind of always like i always assume that these two people met because like marty came to like house it or take care of uh einstein like he like answered an ad in the paper or something yeah that that's the backstory i want 
that I I'm mean, sure is. we have, I think what is obvious here in the course of watching the movie is that we have a, a kid here who has no like stable or like uh, uh, supportive or nurturing father figure. He has this like very withdrawn, very sort of uh, nervous father figure who he ends up sort of taking care of more than um, more than the other way around. So I think what we have here is like a a childless, a weird childless man and his uh, child friend, which I think is weird, but for some reason the their like affection for each other seems so almost like uh like a parental uh familial connection um and it is like super platonic but also very caring that it never people like to make jokes about it but at the time like no one was like walking out of that movie and being like wait what yeah, I mean, I would never, I would have never questioned it. I never did while initial viewings. And I still don't. Like, did Marty answer an ad? <laughs> did they just meet up? Was, like, Doc Brown, like, at a science fair and saw some sort of promise with Marty? You know, something like that. Uh, never really get a uh, answer for that, but it's okay, I, I think. In this instance, when, uh, yeah. what, what, you know. I mean, he's... He seems like he's he's a, a far a bit of ways away from uh, Doc and in, in, in terms of living, but not like far enough away where he can't like get there without a car. So yeah, I think my head canon is just that he responded to some sort of uh, ad relating to Einstein, but um, uh, but. The, the main thing is that uh, all the the uh, alarm or all the uh, cuckoo clocks or with all the clocks at the mall go off at the same time while he's uh, Marty's on the phone with Doc. And uh, it's, I guess it turns out it's part of an experiment. They were all set 25 minutes late. They're all 25 minutes late. And so uh, uh, Marty realizes that he is late for school. Um, and, uh, of course we also get the information that doc needs, uh, Marty to meet him tonight at the mall. He has, he's been working on some crazy experiment. Uh, the dog is away. That's why the food bowl is so fucking disgusting. And, um, and yeah, then we get that great, then we transition to Marty skateboarding around Hill Valley. And then we get a real tour of the, the real, garbage city that mill valley has has become mill valley sorry hill valley you, pro- you projecting now uh, <laughs> uh, my apologies to mill valley sunny beautiful mill valley come on down to mill valley town i've never been to mill valley so I don't, where the fresco I don't flows any, like wine <laughs> i don't have any cool burns for mill valley but um, don't worry being there is enough oh, oh! John wow. coming out. <laughs> this ad was paid for by the Wow Jaguar. Um, but uh, yeah, we got a real cool tour of Hill Valley, downtown Hill Valley, and uh, it's it's covered in trash and and condemned businesses, and it's uh, looks awful. <laughs> a lot of porn theaters. 
Like, yep. You know, and like it's all porn theaters and uh, aerobics like uh, classes. Yeah, and I guess one gas station, like yep. the Texco or whatever. Um, yeah, the gas station that uses that is the touch point for all the movies to to uh, figure out what time you're in. Yeah, if you if you're questioning it before watching this movie, you should have um, everything should have been made right by this scene. Mm-hmm. It, this cracks me up with him riding on the back of the different cars to kind of get around. He's sketching. Is that what it's called? Well, there was I, a video game called Skitching that was about... Now, granted, it's rollerblading and not skating, but I think the concept is the same uh, because it was all about hanging on to the back of cars. So for the rest of this uh, recap, I'm going to be calling it Skitching. Okay, well, i just going to refer to it as a thing that my friend Darius used to do. Um, wow. After he, after he saw so this... Cool. Yeah, I know, Darius, so dangerous. Uh, yeah, he used to be, he, like, Darius to me when he was younger was, like, the discount Michael J. Fox. Like, <laughs> you know, like. Discount, huh? Yeah, more like, you know, like, Mike Q. Lieber. <laughs> yeah, like, now I love Darius with all my heart. He's, like, literally one of my oldest friends. Um, But, yeah, he. he he would ride on the back of, I think he hurt himself real bad doing it, so he stopped. But yeah, he used to grab onto the back of trucks on a skateboard and fucking be zipping around like Market Street, like Church and Market Street and stuff. And oh, and I think and, even in, go ahead. In, in San Francisco. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, that, those are some busy streets. Well, oh. I'm glad he's okay. Um, uh, because that does sound quite dangerous. <laughs> yeah, don't do this in real life, people listening to this who like the sketch. I don't recommend it, but no the 80s skitching. was a different time. Yeah, it's true. I mean, here in Hill Valley, you can just uh, ride around and uh, without uh, care in the world. Like I like how the guy driving the, the Jeep kind of looks back because it's like a totally open air. He can see... Marty skitching back there, and he looks back, and he looks kind of perturbed. But Marty just gives kind of gives him a give, gives him a a good natured shrug, and the guy just goes, sort of goes back to driving. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I think if that happened to me, I would slow down and get out and be like, "Are you insane? My insurance will pay for it if you accidentally get smushed by another car. Get out of here, Marty." And I know him for some reason in this universe. No, and then he's like, "Dude, my name's Dan." Yeah, I I you, I think you can already tell I'm a real I'm a real George McFly. Um, well, you but, have the pocket Glover, I don't. So <laughs> terrific. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, and then we get like a lot of like if you are paying attention again, um, you get a lot of little hints about uh what's coming up in the movie. So. Yeah, uh, Marty's late, uh, but his uh, his girlfriend Jennifer is outside, and um, she is going to um, try to get him kind of like uh, warn him that that Principal Strickland is out looking for him, and sort of to try to sneak him in, but that doesn't really work. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's really snuck in or just like let's go through the side door, but uh, uh, Strickland finds them real quick. 
Yeah, so um, Strickland finds them and and gives Marty uh, a bit of a, a dressing down. You've got a real attitude problem, McFly. You're a slacker. Yeah, he and he is not only telling him that he is a slacker, but he he like really digs quite deep. Um, uh, you don't have a and... chance. You're too much like your old man. No, McFly. <laughs> I think yeah, he gets right into him. Yeah, he really uh he really digs into him and it is like at first you're like okay cuz he's like are oh, you hanging out with that doc brown um that guy's dangerous and you're like okay maybe this principal strickland actually cares about this kid it is worried that he's hanging out with some random sort of reclusive old man that um whose house or who lives in a garage of a condemned piece of property as as far as i could tell from the the fencing around it um, but, but then he just like lays into him about his family and it's just completely unnecessary. <laughs> He's just being a dickhead. Just like your dad. It's like, fuck, like how old's his dad? Why is this guy still principal? Like you ask yourself a lot of questions, even if it was 1955, this, this dude's been principal for how many years since then? Like this dude should be older, deader than dirt, but. Yeah, here he is, fucking get read him the riot act. Looking almost exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Aside well, from some missing side hair. Yeah, hate'll do that to you, I guess. Just yeah, he is like some sort of weird principal vampire, which is yeah. the, the spin off movie that, that Pop Saga will be willing to write. You're listening, yeah. Universal? We got this. Yeah, he's a principal and he's a vampire. And, um, the principal from Back to the Future is secretly a vampire. And this is his story. This will be just step one in, um, in the larger Back to the Future verse, which we will be creating. Yeah. Like, I mean, look, if you need showrunners, uh, ignore all that shit those guys did with Game of Thrones, they didn't know what they were doing. Give us your back to the uni- uh, back to the future universe. We'll we'll, we'll take care of it. No problem. Yeah, v- Benioff and Weiss out. Mm-hmm. Uh, out. Forest of John in. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Fucking vampire Strickland. Uh, <laughs> Einstein saves the world. Right. Sure. We'll just do this whole thing. The dog. The dog. Yeah. 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 Actually, Einstein goes back in time. Teams up with. Einstein. Einstein, exactly. Einstein it's, it's, and Einstein. Yeah. <laughs> yeah on CBS. Mondays right. on CBS. Just like Cagney and Lacey. They'll <laughs> fucking solve crimes and shit, but like science crimes. I wonder who could have killed this uh, waiter. Woof! <laughs> it's like, you're right! The butler did it! <laughs> You know, that type uh, of yes, shit. I should have applied the principle of f- physics, of which I have invented. Anyway, goodbye. I don't know <laughs> about math. I want to be out of this bit now. <laughs> we're gonna do it. We're gonna fucking. We're gonna do them all. Do yep. them all. Do yeah. Them all. So, um, go ahead and add us. Um, as we have said before, we are offer only. Um. So, uh, yeah, he, he is, he's just awful, but, um, but that's okay 
because he's he's not too worried about that because he's got a little bit of a uh, talent show um, to go train out for. His awesome band is uh, is is trying out for the the talent show and uh, and and he's he's hoping they get in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and we're we we're gonna talk about the fact that the. Uh, the, the the talent show entries are judged by the one and only Huey uh, Lewis in that in the piece of trivia that everyone probably knows. Well, yeah, because it's fucking Huey Lewis, and yeah. like being a Bay Area kid, like Huey Lewis was like the jam. So to see him in movie form was great. That 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 is all. It's Huey yeah. Lewis and the motherfucking news. And if none of you like Huey Lewis in the news, you could at me all you want. We're going down. We're fighting. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, The Power of Love was written for this fucking movie. For this yeah, movie. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm i I'm a big fan. Uh, okay, good, because we're... Yeah, to, I mean, about to argue. what's not to like? Sounds like as hell. Yeah, great voice. And, you know... If anyone's going to be qualified to judge a talent show, it's going to be Huey Lewis playing some other character, but still looking like Huey Lewis. Yep. And Marty begins to play uh, their rendition of Power of Love? Yeah, not so good. I didn't like how it was arranged. It's kind of weak. <laughs> That's just my personal thought. Yeah. Huey yeah. doesn't, uh, and Judge Huey does not like it either. <laughs> I'm afraid you're just too darn loud. Um, hilarious, because you're like, that's the guy who does the rock music or the pop rock, the uh, perfect combinations of li- listenable awesomeness, and uh, and he's saying it's too loud. <laughs> but that's, I mean, Marty is not let in on that joke. He is devastated. Yeah, it sucks. And uh, it is funny though. Uh, Hugh Lewis did write the arrangement that that band played for that version of power I love too <laughs> so the irony has so many layers yeah, and like an, uh, onion. like an onion like an onion of great movie yeah um but uh yeah marty doesn't take too well and he uh kind of has a pouty walk i guess <laughs> i guess we he's out of school or we just don't get to see the any of the school parts but um he, he and jennifer go on a, a walk around that same sort of trashy square and uh marty ogles several things during <laughs> this time um uh, one being an actual thing and then and then the other being uh a pair of um people coming from uh the aerobic studio we mentioned earlier it's long class i guess yeah yeah right <laughs> yep they just finished up just now uh, when marty's out of school and uh yeah he's looking at that four by four and uh they're talking about um uh going camping this weekend and um you know marty's talking about how he's just a lie to his family um and then we get another great seed uh of exposition or foreshadowing for later 
a uh, woman comes up and sort of <laughs> shakes a can in, in Marty's face. Um, save the clock tower. Yeah, Mayor Goldie said he'd do, he'd do this to bring it back. As tinkling the can in his face. I wrote that he got clocked blocked. <laughs> he got clocked blocked. Yeah, because yeah. he, uh, he starts uh, making out and stuff. But nope, uh, time to save that clock tower. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Marty is not thinking about a clock. <laughs> He's thinking no. about something else. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. And then there's a scene at- where he kind of looks at her hair that I thought was interesting. Like she's writing uh, stuff, something on the note, and it just looks like he's staring at her scalp. And it's like, what? That's guy- dandruff. Well, maybe. I mean, you know, as an actor, you have to pick where your sight lines and pick good. So he's like, top of her head, top of her head, top of her head. There you yep. go. Yeah, but then after uh, after uh, Exposition Hill Valley Preservation Lady leaves, uh, he, instead of being clock-blocked, he's dad-blocked as uh, Jennifer's dad shows up. And, um... Mm-hmm. You know, she, she ends up... Uh, sort of a sheepish look. Yeah, but, you know, he's just kind of like... He, he At the same time, the dad wasn't like, Ugh, fuck you, he's just like, whatever. You know, <laughs> kind of like, hurry up, like... It's clear he does not care, yes. Yeah, he's um, real indifferent when, you know, when we're hearing about, like, Marty's mom, who, you know, does not do those sorts of things as far as, you know, like, you know, is really sounds very prudish and, you know, uh, pure and all that shit, right? When you get that, then you see this dad's just kind of like, eh, whatever, just hurry up, get in the car. And, um... Yeah. The, uh, the, I think the big thing, you know, a big key to this for foreshadowing is that the preservation lady gives Marty a save the clock tower, uh, flyer. And then, yeah, so he has all the information about the clock tower and when it was, uh, struck by lightning and that will come into play later. Um, and, uh, in addition to that, like the setting up, uh, Marty's mom as somebody who he believes may have been born a nun. Um, certainly uh, sets us up for a fun character turn later as well. Um, but we're, but we're gonna move on to Lion Estates, uh, which is gross as he sees this entryway that seems to come into the street in a way that I've never seen in real life. Um, but I do like how it's like a pretty good looking neighborhood, but they just put these like two stained trashy entrance lion concrete berms that they sort of uh surrounded with the just like loose trash to make it look shittier yeah i mean this is not a very nice neighborhood at this point like or it is just everyone who lives there doesn't really give a shit anymore um and we then get to see like what I am just going to go ahead and call Marty's depressing family. Cause this next scene is, uh, is so sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wrote the whole family sad. <laughs> right. So like, sad. Yeah. It was just, 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 we, we get in, we, uh, well, we see, um, uh marty's dad george with uh well first thing we see is their smashed car oh yes and yeah like the car there's a tow truck pulling uh just an absolutely wrecked car in 
and um, Marty is perturbed because he needs that car for uh, his big date with Jennifer um, tomorrow. Uh, but as you say, then they enter the house and they see Marty's dad and Biff. Mm-hmm. And then I love the fact that they're arguing about who's going to pay for that shit when it was Biff's fault. And he was drinking too. He said, yeah. "I." And look, you look what happened to my coat. I spilled beer on it when that guy hit me. And you're like, "All right." He's like, uh, "Now, Biff, are you? Is your? I assume your insurance is gonna pay for the damage." And then he's like, "Uh, uh, it's your car. Your insurance should pay." Yeah, but it's just like. Man, George, George, George makes me sad at this point. Like, yes, this is a little connection to last episode because George, of course, is played by uh, Crispin Glover, just like uh, Dead Fuck was played <laughs> by Crispin Glover last episode. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's right, Dead Fuck. Yeah, yeah. no, but but do you think like these are the same? Same people, like somehow George survived. <laughs> George survived a... being like impaled in the face and then like uh, stretched across a door. Sure, maybe in an alternate. Um, well, no, because that uh, no, George is. Uh, or sorry, that that's Jimmy was uh, a teenager in the seventies or or eighties, I should say. No, it took place. Um, it took actually, the movie was supposed to take place in eighty five. Right, so there you go. Maybe the, the 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 ages are a little off, but man, everything about this scene, like Biff is super abusive, of course, and um and uh, you know just sort of like it's the exact same dynamic we see later when they are in high school. You know, he's they work at the same place, and he's he's uh, he's George's boss. Biff is George's boss, and he's and he's uh. He's basically making George do all the work for both of them. And, uh, you know, George has no spine, basically, in this uh, in this timeline. And so he has no interest in uh, sticking up for himself. Um, and uh, you can tell it's wearing on the relationship because Lorraine comes out drinking a tall glass of what you might assume is, uh, is water. Uh, but no, that's just straight vodka and ice. She, uh, so... The, the this their relationship is woof uh talk about a trigger warning um if you <laughs> if you have, you might have a bad relationship maybe don't watch back to the future uh because wowza wowza um george is just like lost in the tv and uh, lorraine is uh drinking her problems away well, I mean, the whole damn Sam, like I said, the whole family is sad. Like Marty's brother works at like a fast food joint. Her, mm-hmm. his sisters, like not that there's anything wrong with that, but no, uh, not whatsoever. But like, just you know, he's working there, but he has to take the bus because obviously the car just got wrecked. So just more pain there. Marty's sister just appears to be lonely and kind of falling the same traits that marty's mom is doing and yeah maybe yeah. she's sort of like kept uh, marty's mom is being a little overprotective of her and she did like is complaining that she, she can never meet people the jailbird 
Uh, oh, yeah. The, the Jailbird cake is hilarious. Um, Joey, Jailbird Joey sets up an amazing joke later, but all of this just paints the way they light it even and like the art on the wall and the furniture everything is like it it looks like hand-me-downs or furniture that they've owned for their entire lives like they haven't ever like got anything new and it's all just saying like these people are you know uh depressed this whole family is depressed and everybody is having a bad time it makes you wonder how marty even has any sort of like humor or life in him (laughs) or confidence or anything because this this whole family is counter to it you know any anytime you get someone uh knocking your dad upside the head and like go like hello since they weren't due to hello hello anybody home right that that would just that would just like knock the soul right out of my body but not marty yeah, he somehow is he's gonna he's going to uh, reassure his dad and be sort of the parent in that situation, um, because you know uh, George is basically just like there's nothing I can do. This moment isn't so depressing that it's just like slathering on like how dysfunctional this family is, even though there's a lot of that. But um, in this moment, sort of a half drunk drunk or maybe fully drunk uh, Lorraine. Uh, recounts the the way that that she and George met, and of course this is going to be crucial information for later. Um, and it sort of tells the audience what the, the what it sets the stage of what the timeline was before a time machine was in, introduced. Yeah, they met by Lorraine's uh, dad hitting George with the car. Yes, and uh, when he was air quotes bird watching <laughs> and uh, we'll uh touch back on that in a little bit <laughs> so um tell me if you agree but marty sleeps kind of weird it's fucking weird man like i don't know how you sleep like that like no. you just like both arms cranked in the back face slammed like legs like bent at angles i i do not know how you sleep like that um no i mean maybe you live in that house that's how you have to sleep to get through it (laughs) this is a manifestation of his of his internal turmoil and stress is that he is twisted like a pretzel uh while he's supposed to be sleeping every night um but it's around 12 30 a.m when uh when marty gets a call apparently marty has his own phone line i'm guessing or at least he has a phone in his his room yeah probably just a shared line throughout that's what i'm but i guess mom's passed out from drinking um dad's probably still laughing at old abbott and costello or something yeah (laughs) i'm stuck in the better times of my life yeah um but uh yeah, Marty gets a call from Doc, and he's like, "You haven't fallen asleep, have you?" And of course he has, and that's uh, that's funny. 
And so, yeah, Doc just calls him to also tell Marty. So, like, Doc has spent his considerable fortune, we imagine, on buying a bunch of scientific equipment, but also on video cameras as well to document said scientific experiments. So, he, uh, Doc Brown tells Marty to swing by and grab a video camera before he come before he heads out to the Twin Pine Malls. Yes, and uh, folks at home, remember this: uh, the, the fact that this uh, these this mall is called Twin Pines Mall, because that sets up a great joke for later. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so uh, this is when we first get to the first we get to actually see Doc Brown in the the timeline of the movie. Um, and he is just classic mad scientist, uh, played incredibly by Christopher Lloyd. Here we see him in a little bit of old age makeup. Um, not the best, <laughs> not as good as George, uh, George's old, old age makeup, but, um, but they have him on a little bit of stuff that makes a couple extra wrinkles here and there. But yeah, he's looking like a, a proper mad scientist in his cool white van. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you, did you see what it said on the side of the van? It's like Doc or uh, uh, Doctor E Brown's something, like something scientific. Doctor E Brown Enterprises, twenty four hour scientific services. <laughs> right, like a repair <laughs> van. I thought that was great. As like well, a, anytime you need science to happen, he's there for you. You know, like it's like twenty four hours a day. You need science? We have it. You need to make a what paper mache volcano? When I right, when I pour this vinegar into this bacon soda, I better call Doc Brown. Yeah, we need those scientific services. But um, um But it, yeah, this next sequence is fantastic. Uh because you know, when Marty gets up to the, the this uh, ice cream truck you were talking about, or this giant, like, mail truck or whatever, wherever it came from, uh, it turns out the back has a huge, like, extending ramp, and it is entirely just to, uh, to shuttle the time machine around, which is, uh, which is built around the all stainless steel, uh, influence for, uh, people, I guess, would now... I mean, I guess everyone knows it mostly from Back to the Future. Nowadays, uh, it's cited as the influence for Tesla's Cybertruck. <laughs> Although I'd rather drive a DeLorean uh, from just a looks perspective. Uh, don't at me. Um, but yeah, we see the we see the the this awesome DeLorean. Loved it as a kid. Love it as an adult. Love the huge vents on the back. Uh, it just looks incredible. So iconic. One of the best, uh, uh, genre vehicles of all time. Yeah, it is definitely up there. And I always smile when I see someone driving like one on the road. Cause they're so rare, yeah. but they do exist. And, you know, a bunch of people who own DeLoreans that are even kitted out that look like the one from back to the future. No, he's, oh, yeah. like I said, just smile when I see them. I go, all right, there you go. Don't don't hit that car. We don't want to, you know, knock it into the stratosphere. But you know, just, <laughs> let's just let's just look at it and and gawk in all its gullwing glory. Um. Yeah. 
a great choice here uh, to I think a I think one of the original treatments for the Back to the Future script um, had the Delore or had, sorry had the time machine be a refrigerator. No, I'm not saying <laughs> no as in like no, you're wrong. I'm saying no as in like no, like yeah, hard to believe. Actually, um, while we're talking about like the the versions that could have been. Um, have you seen the scenes of this movie with featuring I, Eric Stoltz? Stoltz, yeah, yeah. I, I've I've seen like a couple of like YouTube clips showing at some of them. Yeah, because originally before um, Michael J. Fox was cast, they did cast Eric Stoltz. Is it Stoltz or Stolt? dude he was from mask it's stoltz it's fine just just stick with your guns it's cool (laughs) if not uh i'll throw in a punch in that says what the name is i'm not (laughs) going to do that (laughs) okay we're just gonna go ahead let's just barrel through it um but yeah he there, there were several scenes filmed with him playing uh marty mcfly and uh oof uh they you know no offense to him or anything but they they made the right choice when they switched because his portrayal of it kind of takes on the weight of how depressing marty's life is it's a much more serious sort of uh humorless marty um and so hard to say if this movie would be as beloved uh with the uh old stolts in there but no fridge, no stolts. Uh, we had DeLorean and Michael J. Fox, and we're all better for it. Um, but uh, you know, the the doc goes through a bunch of exposition next, and he just tells you know Marty about what he's been working on. Uh, and uh, he does, actually he doesn't really give him much context, right? Because it's more like he is just having him film, and he's just going at a mile a minute, and. Um, Marty sort of finds out what's going on as it happens because, uh, you know, he, the Doc Brown isn't going to be driving this thing first. No, he's going to put his beloved dog into this DeLorean time machine as the guinea pig. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. <laughs> so yeah so he's just like sticks his dog in there and then he's just like oh when it goes fast some crazy shit is gonna happen and uh and that is exactly what happens um i love this scene because yeah uh, marty marty is standing next to him as as doc has this really gnarly giant looking remote control uh you know piloting the delorean around and uh puts it on a direct collision course with marty and and uh and doc and i love how uh as it gets is more and more apparent that the the car will be racing so straight towards them marty sort of like steps away (laughs) yeah he tries Uh, to and he just pulls him right back yeah he just the first time he's kind of like inches away he gives him this look like what what are you doing and uh he really tries to get away at the end but uh they're fine, it turns out, because uh, this was all part of a scientific experiment because the the car uh, is engulfed in energy and lightning and it, it uh, disappears in a, f- a blinding uh, flash of light, leaving only 
um, flaming tire tracks, like tire trails, uh, where the car would have been. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, I love this. Like, it's like, where the hell, you know, you know, where the hell is, you know, like, where did Einstein go? And that's when Doc Brown's like, it's not where the hell did they go, it's when the hell did they go, or when the hell are they? That's it. Yeah. And then, um. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's a great scene where uh where where Marty's just like uh when he finds out it's a time machine, he's like, You turned a time machine into a DeLorean? Out of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're gonna build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just such a great uh I love you know even back when it came out you know it was such a weird car and the and the whole story around it and and uh its creator are are it's just like fascinating I won't get into it here obviously but um that must have been such a funny joke to audiences at the time it's even probably less funny than it is now but still I mean it's still a great joke Yeah I think you have to be of the times to get it cuz I'm sure every person who doesn't remember the DeLorean being a thing probably only know the DeLorean from Back of the Future and probably thinks it was made just specifically for that movie, you know, as a movie prop or something. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, you know, the the bombshells are coming fast and furious at this point, and, and we find out not only that this DeLorean is a time machine, don't worry, Einstein is okay, aside from a very funny scene where there's, like, ice everywhere, and uh, a bunch of, like, exhaust shoots at the back, and the and Doc looks like, oh, that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> like, he looks uh, momentarily perplexed at the outcome, but... Uh, um, we also find out that this baby is not, uh, powered by, uh, gas or elect or, 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 you know, high octane gas. No, no, no. It's par- powered by electricity and plutonium. You know, like you do. Yeah. And, uh, and that ties us back into the new story we heard earlier about the missing plutonium and, um, the fact that Doc stole stole it from Libyan nationalists who wanted him to build a bomb. Yeah. I, I fucking love this. Cause then like, I, I agree with Marty. I was like, electricity. I need doc. You don't just walk into a store and, and buy plutonium. Did you rip that off? Right. Like when he's questioning, <laughs> like, where'd he get it? And then we find out. Yeah. He stole it from Libyan nationalists who wanted to, wanted him to build a bomb. He's like, they don't really know where we're at. We're fine. Yeah, um, he gave them a a bomb casing full of uh, old pinball machine parts, um, and uh, and, th- and things to be seem to be going fine. But uh, turns out these uh, Libyans uh, were none too happy about this fake weapon. Apparently, they they figured out quite quickly that it was a fraud, and. Uh, and Einstein's barking gives it away that uh, even though Doc was about to leave, he had a suitcase. Says he's uh, he's allergic to all synthetic fibers. Um, he's about to go, uh, you know, twenty five, thirty years in the future. Uh, but that whole plan is interrupted when uh, the Libyans arrive in their VW bus. 
in their sweet VW bus. Yeah. That they never leave. <laughs> Even if it's like just like going around a car to sort of chase someone, uh, they're not going to get out of the VW. No time, man. You know how difficult it is to open the door to those things? Shit. They had the right idea. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> um, but man, I forgot how fast they just like. So Doc pulls out a gun. Uh, he he's like, run for it. I'll I'll, I'll give you cover. Um, and uh, he that doesn't work. It's a great, a funny scene where he's like trying to fire the gun. It doesn't work. He looks down the barrel, <laughs> unadvisable. Uh, but makes a very funny face. Um, and then he just gets murked. Yeah, he gets AK'd. Yeah, they shoot him a lot, and it is very upsetting. Marty's upset. Uh, and he says, uh, No, you bastards! <laughs> yep. And then, yeah, then the Libyans play the uh, the uh, backup and drive around Tango with him until uh, Marty hops into the DeLorean, which had its uh, time set to... The date that um, Doc invented time travel, November fifth, nineteen fifty-five. Because he was just kind of like musing about with all the places he could go, and the last one he put in was uh, nineteen fifty-five. Um, uh, Einstein just left in the car. <laughs> um, you know, he did, he doesn't in his in his perspective. He's not alone for that long, but uh, you still feel kind of bad for the dog because its its best friend was just gunned down as well. Um, now I felt bad uh, for Marty because here he is fucking in this DeLorean driving around in a parking lot, and um, he's a pretty good driver to be honest. He's oh yeah, <laughs> zipping around. He does some in incredible thing. driving. Yeah, I like when but... he's like, let's see if this, if you bastards can get up to 90. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I not, mean, it doesn't seem that fast, but uh, they can't. Spoiler well, alert. Yeah, also for a VW bus, or VW bus, yeah, I don't think it's top speed's probably much past 90, so <laughs> safe bet. how flat this thing is. Yeah, then I'm like, I don't know if a DeLorean could even really get up that high, but whatever, it's fine. Um, But that's the thing, right? Like, as he's driving straight, gaining more speed on them, the Libyans pull out a a rocket launcher. I was like, Jesus, these these guys came packing. They're like, we can't shoot Doc, we're going to blow his ass up. And then... um, I don't know what kind of resistance they were thinking they were going to be encountering, but... Enough that it needed a rocket launcher, apparently. RPG. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't last long, because Marty forgot what happens when this thing hits 88 miles per hour. <laughs> yeah. yeah, even though he just saw it, um, when that baby hits 88 miles per hour, that's a really cool, sort of like, there's all the effects, the, the flash of light, and then all of a sudden he's driving through a dirt field. Um you know, hitting a scarecrow and, and crashing into a barn. Yeah. The Peabody barn mm-hmm. or farm or whatever. I, 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 this is probably one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. Cause it's like, uh, we're, we're kind of talking about it in a pace where we're just kind of dissecting these moments, but to watch it, it is really like, it just takes you from scene to scene to scene. There are, very little lulls, very 
very few moments where you're just kind of like calmed with the action. There's always something happening. And this is, you know, this scene is no different. Um, cause you know, obviously when they crash to the barn, the people living on the, uh, land go to check it out. And I love they fucking open it up and he's like, that's an airplane without wings. And then the son who's just like this comic book reader is like, shows him the comic that just has like a, you know, aliens from another world. And obviously the spacecraft kind of looks like a DeLorean. And then it has, it has the, the creature looking like it's in a hazmat suit. And Marty, we forgot to mention Marty's wearing kind of a hazmat suit when they were, uh, messing around with the plutonium so he's putting all that stuff on as they were recording and um fuck right. this, this i think everybody knows <laughs> who yeah. out there hasn't seen back to the future hey, <laughs> like, hey wait a minute we talk about the these where did that come from hey we plutonium talk about amazing. these movies but i can only tell you there's one person who i know who's probably seen this movie more times than you and i live with her and she watches it every time it's on. So, you know, to, to my wife, I know you love Back to the Future. I'm trying to do it justice by talking about it scene by scene. But, like, realistically, we could just be like, yeah, this we, we could talk about this movie in five minutes. But, the, <laughs> yeah. you know, just for the, the, Netflix, uh, the Netflix synopsis, everybody knows. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's a fantastic film. I'm just trying to make sure we're calling out the stuff that it's happened just so for the people who might be listening to this who've never seen it for whatever weird reason. Yeah, for sure. The whoever is maintaining our wiki will appreciate it. Um but uh that sets up a very funny scene where uh <laughs> they're convinced that this comic is accurately representing what's happening in their barn. And um, they sort of like uh, close the door and, and leave. Uh, Marty stumbles out with uh, with the hood open. You can see that he's a human. And uh, that's not convincing enough for the family. It's already been in the human form. Shoot it! So they just start unloading on him with a shotgun because every farmer's got a shotgun if we know anything from uh, movies. And, uh, of course, he's out of there. He he floors it on the old DeLorean and, and breaks through that barn door. Oh, yeah, um, but I, I love the fucking uh, pause other line where he's all like... You space bastard! You killed my pine! <laughs> <laughs> he uh he runs over one of their uh their their beloved pines uh <laughs> this uh the the entire identity of this farm uh hinges on these two fine pines uh, we see that as uh marty leaves the the twin pines uh farm now a single pine because as you said uh he killed their pine um marty still doesn't know what's going on he should, but he doesn't. Um, and it takes him till he gets home. Apparently, there <laughs> he like this is the a point where he really realizes something is wrong. But there's everywhere around here is also under undeveloped and just like a a pasture. So you would think that he would kind of like see this coming from a little further away. No, it takes him driving up to the actual entrance to his former neighborhood, Lion Estates, and to realize that uh it doesn't exist yet 
Yeah, it's just being built. Like, ground is literally just being broken on it. That's yeah. the one ad outside that's like, hey, you know, coming soon. The Lion Estates. Yeah, and he even now he's like he still thinks it's a dream. It takes him getting into Hill Valley because he eventually makes his way there, and we get a nice sort of comparison, um, you know, overlaid with Mister Sandman. We get a nice uh, sort of um, comparison of the of what the sort of trashy '80s version of Hill Valley was uh, or is, and, and and the the sort of idyllic never actually existed in real life 50s version of, yeah. of the uh of, of of hill valley yeah instead of porn theaters you're just getting regular movie theaters and yeah you got you got a diner you got like uh someone it's a full service gas station so someone pulls up to the gas station and they're washing your windows and checking your oil and your tire pressure and everything while you fill her up and then kids on pogo shoes. Boing, boing, boing. Yeah. Yep, yeah, that happens. Yeah, it, it is it completely uh, counter to what we saw earlier. And that's why that opening scene where you see all of this is a great way to kind of set it up because you've kind of burnt into your head what this place looked like. And then, yeah, you're getting this idyllic version. Um, and uh, real quick before we move any further, I just want to mention uh, I want to give a shout out and a pop uh, saga award to the uh, old couple in the car that uh, Marty sort of uh, grabs onto when he's back at Lion Estates uh, to, to ask what's going on. And uh, the woman in the car goes, uh, Don't stop or we'll die. <laughs> <laughs> so i just want to give a shout out to those two people uh you are my mvps of this uh, uh this part of the movie um but yeah as you said it's a really nice way to set the scene and 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 seat us in in 19 sort of uh immerse us in 1955 yep and then the big takeaway is that we notice that the clock tower is working. Oh, it's back in action. Yeah. Um, and a, a, a newspaper tells him, finally, he, he gets it. He's a, It's November 5th, 1955. Or the newspaper is from November 5th, 1955. Um, and the person was reading it. So you can assume it's today's newspaper because he just threw it in the trash. Yeah, he's um, done with it. He's done with it. It's It's old news. It was news and now it's olds. <laughs> so I like to say what happens next is a bunch of 80s to 50s misunderstandings, a lot of fun misunderstandings. Because uh, uh, Marty's desperately trying to like, uh, he's trying to try to find Doc, of course. So he's mm-hmm. uh, he's he's in. Uh, he goes, he runs into a, a soda fountain, uh, or or a diner or whatever it is. Um, uh to to give him a call and uh and and we get a lot of like <laughs> he, he rips a page out of the phone book i guess the guy owning who owns the diner who the, the where the phone book is uh, the phone booth is in doesn't mind he just wants him to buy something and then we get a fun a bunch of fun 80s to 50s misunderstandings he wants a tab you can't Ugh. have a tab unless you buy something he wants a pepsi free if you want a Pepsi, you're going to have to pay for it, pal. 
And then he's like, just give me something with no sugar. So he gets a cup of black coffee. <laughs> yep. <laughs> which is uh which is classic. And there's like some money exchange, so he probably had something on him. Um I mean, I mean fuck like I'm sorry, but like Marty's soda choices are garbage. Tab Tab. Yeah, it's all it just it seems like somebody who was not from the 80s wrote a movie about the 80s and they it's like Stranger Things. If Stranger Things was was doing this scene, they would they would reference Tab and and all this stuff. It's it just seems so uh, of the time uh, and obvious, Uh, but it works because I mean, those mean other things. Do you get it? Yeah, I mean, I of course, but I mean, he might as well have ordered Fresco, that slush <laughs> in the bottom of your trash can with combination. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Tab might be better. No, it's not. So much mm-hmm. so that they're getting rid of Tab. Well, I thought. Week. Well, this I guess this speaks volumes, but I thought Tab was already gotten rid of. <laughs> no, that shit came back, and then it's yeah, like. Someone like there, there was like five, ten people who were like, "Ooh, I love tab. That's delicious." <laughs> and then that was enough for Coca Cola to be like, "We'll revive the line," and yeah. they're finally killing job, it guys. off. So uh, what I'm trying to say is, buy up tab now because you're not going to get to drink it later. <laughs> or don't. Or don't send a message to tab, uh, and and don't let it let it just drift away. Um, into the suite hereafter. Um, but uh, the next scene is great because we see uh, it reveals young George McFly and sort of him and Marty are doing the same thing uh, with the the back of their hair, which I thought was a fun um, a fun visual gag. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that isn't um, that isn't kept for long, right? Because I think this is when Biff shows up. Yep. Biff and the gang, and he's got a real stereotypical gang of uh of other like bullies hanger bully hangers on. Um, one guy with three D glasses, which must just make your headache, just give you a headache all day long. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he also had Billy Zane. So right, yeah, Billy Zane is there in the background. Um, I think he gets one line about his hair later in the in the movie, but. He is not. He's not uh, a featured player. I think he actually does not have a line until Back to the Future Two. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I thought he he was the one talking about messing up his hair. But uh, every one of those guys is just an interchangeable white guy, pretty much in the first movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, we see this is a great sort of echo of the dynamic we saw in the start of the movie. Um, it's almost the exact same sort of interaction between Biff and, uh, George that repeats itself, um, into their adulthood. So, uh, this is a really cool sort of like, we're setting the scene again with these younger characters. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I thought that was like, uh, I was really, that was really cool, but you know, George just wants to be left alone to eat his cereal. Uh, and meanwhile, Marty is just like freaking out. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's everything like, that's going on is just blowing his mind. Yeah, but I mean, like you, the thing with Biff and Marty, you could always tell that Marty could not stand Biff, um, just the way you would look at him. And 
I think seeing these, uh, yeah, seeing this mirrored effect where, you know, just the night before his dad was getting, like, uh, his head, like, uh, like rubbed on by, or tapped on by saying hello, and then all of a sudden you get, you know, young Biff doing it to young George. Hey, Biff, hey, guys, how are you doing? Yeah, you got my homework finished, McFly? Uh. Right, and he's just, like, doing the same shit that that doesn't change, and then Biff looking at him because Marty is giving him, like, the fucking death stare. And then he just gets this... Uh, what are you looking at, butthead? Right, mm-hmm. get just back like, into uh, it. Just like in the earlier scenes, those are those, are those things that echo uh, between the... We as an audience get to compare those two scenes and see uh, sort of see where they come from. Yep. And then, yeah, the big, the big just... What? You're George McFly. Like, just Marty just being stunned with the fact that that's his dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, it's funny, because I know that the writer, uh, Bob Gale, it wrote this with the premise of, like, what it would be to go back in time to meet his dad, to see if he could be friends with his, like, his young, like, his, his dad and younger self, like, if they would be friends, and that's kind of where this whole movie generated from and it, it's it's kind of cool to see this kind of play out knowing that sure yeah uh and certainly um this encounter uh, doesn't make much of an impression on george because he's gone and uh and marty's chasing after him um and then what i like to say is uh george does a peep just like uh just like last time uh the last movie we talked about tommy did a peep now it's George's turn. George, in broad daylight, in a suburban neighborhood, in full view of all neighbors and everything else, scaled a bare tree. Doesn't have any leaves or anything to hide him or any sort of camouflage with a pair of very large binoculars, which he doesn't need, really. <laughs> He's maybe like uh, 10, 20 feet away from the the, the window. I mean, and, if you're trying uh, to get thread count or something, I guess at this point, sure. The reason why you need binoculars, but yeah, this... and he's a real grosso. <laughs> Marty notices his dad up there, and he's like, uh, "He's a peeping tom," and uh, it's gross. It's gross for him. It's gross for the audience. Um, but we remember uh, from the story earlier that George was bird watching. And then, uh, and then, um, you know, it was hit by, uh, Lorraine's, uh, dad's car. And, um, this is how it plays out. We, he, <laughs> George loses his, uh, grip and falls. Um, but there's a variable now because Marty's there and he pushes him out of the way at the last minute and he is hit by the car. Um, <laughs> and, and George just leaves. Hey, what are you doing here? And yeah, he just bombs the fuck off. Like, who are you? And he just, and he just is a, doesn't know what to do. And it just gets on his bike and he is gone. Um, The the fucking dad's line was perfect. Another one of these kids. (laughs) Another one of these damn kids jumped in front of my car again. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like it happens all the time, which is hilarious. Yeah. Um, Um, and then how we transition to the next scene is hilarious. 
yeah. because kind of like it's it's playing a little fast and loose it's playing with the audience's expectations a little bit because uh marty wakes up in a darkened room and he hears his mom's voice that sounds like raspy and sort of tired like marty's mom that we've we met in the beginning of the of the um uh the movie but this must be kind of his just his imagination because uh when the light comes on it is not his mom how he remembers uh, no 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 it is his mom as a very young woman almost an almost 18 year old yeah and uh it kind of well he's like oh i had a you know he's going i was having a nightmare and I was back in time, and then, yeah, the lights turn on, when she's like, yeah, well, you're back safe in 1955. And then his fucking meltdown is why this movie is part of uh, Pop Saga Presents Pop Scares Ya. <laughs> yeah, she took off his pants. Yeah, no, he took off his pants. He's just, like, never seen his mom like young before any of that stuff and his reaction is priceless you're my mom you're my mom my name is lorraine <laughs> like, he's like you're you're my you're, you're so ha huh? yeah he's you're like so, but you're ha huh? huh? but you're you're, 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 you're so thin, you're thin. <laughs> like, he's just like breaking his brain and then she just keeps calling him calvin yeah. <laughs> I've never seen uh purple underwear before, Calvin. <laughs> You're like, why did you take off his pants? Um, Calvin. Calvin, why why do you keep calling me Calvin? Well that is your name, isn't it? Calvin Klein? It's written all over your underwear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she like uh yeah. She why she has a head injury. He he slept for nine hours. Which is clearly a sign of a concussion. He's got some some brain damage or something going on there. Uh, but they didn't take him to a hospital. No, they just let him sleep. And, uh, yeah, you know, you get a brain injury or you get a head injury, you hit your head on the pavement, take your pants off. First thing. <laughs> yeah, you don't? Um, ye- Let's move on. Okay. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's, it's fantastic. He's, he's, he's just trying to wrap his mind around what's going on. Um, but, uh, then we're introduced to, I guess, to his, his grandparents and, um, or that's how he knows them. And then we get a bunch of good, like, uh, oh, uh, you don't know about this now, but you will in the future because I'm from the future. And, uh. I love that that everyone if you, uh, assumes that he's from the Coast Guard. Yeah, because of the uh, fucking puffy vest he is wearing. Yep, he's got a puffy yeah. orange vest. They just assume it is a life preserver. And then, which you know, is we, great. Yeah, and then so he was just at this point. I think he just started rolling with it a little bit, and then uh, he meets Uncle Joey, who <laughs> as a baby loves being like in his like in his little pen. Yeah, Little loves being bars. in a crib, and he's like, he delivers the most savage burn to Uncle Joey. He's like, better get used to those bars, kid. <laughs> <laughs> That's screwed up. Yeah. Then we get like 
you know, it, it, more of the yeah, me being from the future is like this oh, is a well, classic. Oh, it's brand new. Yeah, and then uh, fucking like he's like, yeah, we have two TVs. Like two TVs, you're rich because like this is new TV for like a very new TV for them. They didn't have it beforehand. Um, and then we we can tell that his uh, Lorraine, uh, I just wrote is thirsty it's the only the only thing oh, yeah. i have for it like, she is so thirsty <laughs> she wants him to spend the night and uh and and and, and uh, starts rubbing his leg which uh which leads leaves him to just bolt yeah and then the fucking her her dad has probably like i don't know what it is but the grumpy old dudes in this movie fucking had me dying the most <laughs> young man He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. Parents are probably idiots too. <laughs> and he's talking about his kids. And that's why it's funny. <laughs> Lorraine, if you ever have a kid that acts that way, I'll disown you. Mm-hmm. Boom. So that. good. Yeah, so fucking good. So fucking funny because we know that that is her kid. Um, But uh, Marty's off. He has to... Uh, to go find Doc because uh, he's obviously in the wrong time period and all sorts of crazy shit has happened with his parents already. Mm-hmm. And um, we see first, this is a great shot. I just want to call this out because uh, we saw the garage early, earlier. It's sort of like surrounded by convenience stores and houses. And it's like kind of like downtown and, and sort of like a shitty street. Um, but back uh, back in 1955, you know, it's surrounded by grounds, like this beautiful, uh, rolling, like, uh, manicured hills. And we see the garage first and that's what we're familiar with. But then it pans up to the, the dock, uh, the Brown estate. And, uh, this house is just gorgeous. It's like a craftsman style, California craftsman style house. And, uh, it, we know from the start of the movie that that burned down, but uh, here it is in all its splendor. Yeah, no, it, it's a nice dichotomy to see, almost like how willing, how low he was willing to go to get his scientific stuff off the ground, like you know. Sure, yeah, how consumed he was by by making this invention, um, and uh this the scene's fantastic because marty knocks he turns away this is just good physical acting and then christopher lloyd the doc opens the the door we see briefly how fucking crazy he looks and then closes it for a little bit and then pulls marty in and he has this giant uh doc has this giant contraption contraption that's about right <laughs> it is. It ends up being a contraption because he sticks a suction cup to Marty's head, and and he's trying to read his mind. But really, you could tell that it's just like a guess. Guesses you would do if somebody came to your door and you're trying to figure out who they were. Those are they're just like targeted door person person coming to a door guesses. Well, I mean, shit. When he was just like when he's gone off off the life preserver. It's like you're from like a sailor or something, right? Because yeah. he's just seeing what he's wearing. Yeah, and then and uh, I love the part where he he pulls off the thing and he goes, "Doc, 
I'm from the future and he tells he lays out the entire story and Doc <laughs> he he grabs him by the shoulders and brings him up close to his face he's like do you know what this means that this damn thing doesn't work <laughs> and then he grabs a bunch of blueprints and is just like ranting and raving because uh, he doesn't believe him at all as he like sort of uh, runs to his garage workshop I love the I, I love the image of young Doc Brown in his like slippers and house coat uh, just with a bundle of an arms full of uh, of blueprints, just like ranting as he as he runs across his uh, amazing lawn. Yeah, well, he's ranting because like he's like, well, who's president? He's like Ronald Reagan, and so then he just goes on this whole diatribe about, oh, and I'm sure this person, like all these comedians and actors, are just part of the government as well. Um, I do like the fact that it takes Marty telling him how he got that bruise on his head to convince him. Yeah, luckily that piece of exposition was doled out earlier. Um and so we get uh he's able to repeat that back to them as like a proof that they they uh they know each other and it worked. Mm-hmm. That works. Yeah, and I I also do like the fact that it seems like almost like um um when they go out to uh, go get the DeLorean and uh, bring it back, you can see that, uh, like, you know, Doc Brown's generally happy that one of his creations actually works. Like, Yeah, he this says thing as much. Works. Yeah. He's just like, uh, one of the things I invented actually works. Yeah, no, I love that. And then, um, well, they do uh, go back to the barn mm-hmm. and then that's... yeah they go back to the garage and and they because you know they're they're hiding the they kind of talk about like we have to figure out how to get this back to the garage do you think maybe that they'll show that but no they just kind of cut back to the garage and they've done it they've covered up the thing in a tarp and they're and, and it's in uh, doc brown's garage and and this is when we now lay out the stakes of the movie um you know when we know this thing runs on plutonium we know it had one charge because doc was going back to get another um rod of plutonium before the libyans uh, attacked him so we know that um there's no more there's not enough juice to get marty home um but uh th- th- it's sort of like <laughs> i love how he goes and talks to um he like I think he runs back to the house or something and he grabs that portrait of uh Edison and he's just <laughs> like talking to it like it's a friend. He's like, What are we gonna do? Like Eddie, can we do this? Well, because it was there they they took the video camera because that was one of the things that, you know, Marty brought back with him or threw in the DeLorean with him and somehow hooked that shit up to an old school TV. Yeah, that now, part not... is glossed over, and that seems like the maybe one of the most magical things because <laughs> they just they just wired the AV cables directly into some cable. Yeah, like I don't know old TV tech, but I'm not sure if component or composite existed back then. If anyone wants to add I us to tell think us, think so. I don't think so either. But when he hears uh, uh, the uh, 1.21 gigawatts that that literally shocks the shit out of him. I, I love the 
to generate the 1.21 gigawatts of electricity. 1.21 gigawatts! 1.21 gigawatts! <laughs> yeah, that's when he runs out of the garage and back to the house and, and sort of finds solace in the the picture of Edison that he has on his shelf. Yeah. What was I thinking? What was I thinking? And then Marty telling him about plutonium, and then we get like almost a reverse plutonium gag. Right? Like he's like, uh, you know, Marty earlier was like, you you running this on plutonium? And then Doc Brown hears plutonium, but thinking of the future goes. Plutonium. I'm sure that in 1985, plutonium is available in every corner drugstore, but in 1955, it's a little hard to come by. Marty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then we we stumble upon that there's only one thing... that can um that that can generate uh that uh, amount of electricity and that's a bolt of lightning um and uh, as luck would have it uh marty possesses a flyer with the exact information about where and when the lightning will strike next and uh that's because he has that cool flyer yeah so then a plan takes shapes it begins to take shape i should say they have to harness that lightning and uh, feed it into the uh, the flux capacitor. And um, uh, it's uh, Doc's theory that 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 will um, that that will, will propel them into the future. Um, but it's a, a couple of days away, and uh, you know Doc is very animate that uh, Marty can't you know be out there doing anything. He has to s- just hide in the house because what if he affects uh the timeline and that's when marty starts to get a little uncomfortable because uh, he might have already affected the timeline a little bit (laughs) just a little bit just a little bit Um, because he's like you haven't seen anyone or interacted with anyone he's like well i may have run into your my parents and uh and it turns out, you know, he's already set some events in motion that are going to, uh, that really set the stakes for the rest of the movie. Um, because uh, Doc has a theory, uh, luckily, for this exact thing. And Marty has a picture of his family <laughs> that is uh, directly illustrative of this theory. Lucky for us, the audience, because. Marty basically gets a ticking clock in the form of a photo he has of his siblings and him, and uh, his his eldest sister has already started, or no, his eldest brother, I should say, has already started to disappear. Head first. His head's gone. It's like it's like it's been erased. Erased from existence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The stakes are pretty high, that's for sure. So this is a cool, uh, it's a cool method to have, like, this ticking clock be, it's basically Marty's life bar, is this, uh, is, uh, to put it in video game parlance, uh, uh, once these, the, all three kids in this, um, in this picture fade away then and then you know his he will be fully erased from existence and since he's the youngest he will be the last one um to fade away so we get a, a cool 
sort of um, measuring device that that allows us to to know well, like where how tense we should be feeling and what the stakes are at any given moment. Yeah, it's nice to have these stakes because if not, this would be a very boring movie. Because then it would just be like <laughs> next Saturday. And he he got out uh, there and he's back and the movie's over. It's been thirty minutes. Thanks for your money, <laughs> suckers. Um, we gotta put this on TV. <laughs> so, so Doc and Barney get uh, dressed up in uh you know a period appropriate clothing, uh natural for Doc obviously, but uh these are new clothes for Marty and uh they make their way back to school. Um, and uh, this is going to be uh, attempt one at uh, trying to get his uh, trying to fix the damage that he's done. Yeah, this is not a good attempt. <laughs> just, just going, just, just going to flat out go on. You know, yeah, like not, uh, not uh, in in small part due to the fact that uh, Doc is just walking around a high school. Um, with a hat on, and nobody is questioning why this weird old man is uh just creeping around a high school. Well, he's with what he is with the kid though, so he could be sitting there thinking they could be thinking that's his dad. You know, he's I suppose. Around, so just <laughs> sticking around. Yeah, it's just hanging around. So wants to get a lay of the land. Yeah, we're at the uh, uh lunchroom, and he's just like just bunch of papers all around him and he's just scribbling stuff and yeah we find out that he wants to write science fiction or his stories as he puts them and uh yeah but he doesn't want to show them to anyone he has an intense fear of rejection um uh, you know what if he showed them to anyone what if i show these to somebody and they say it's not good <laughs> <laughs> i just don't think i could take that kind of rejection <laughs> it's very it, the the key to that voice is it has to be very breathy because he has a he has such a like a breathy put upon uh way about him he's playing this character at a 10 and it is fantastic okay um, hold, on, hold on let me try let me try hey kind of nope <laughs> it was very much like your doc brown but which well, is delightful I, too. I only have one voice. It's just like one version of it just one modulated version, I guess, of uh future John. I don't know. Um yeah. <laughs> That's good. well lucky for you it's a great voice. Um Take rejection. Nope, 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 nope. I'm done. You're you've got the pocket glover. I'm never gonna do it. Um I I do like the fact that uh you know Marty learned something about his dad that he didn't know. Get out of town. I didn't know you did anything creative. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, that, I thought that was really great. Um and uh I thought it was nice to show I thought it was nice to show that like that was a moment where uh Marty gained a little bit more of appreciation for his dad's personality. Um and you could see it on like they don't need to put that in the in the, the actual the context of the movie. You can just see it on Michael uh, J. Fox's face that mm-hmm. he has that moment of recognition, and it's like really interesting and powerful. If um you know if you notice it, yeah, I like it. Um, 
but that's also setting up like now um now uh, uh now marty knows that his dad is into sci-fi and that will come into point uh play later mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but um you know he he is <laughs> these, these people barely know each other but he is like doing the hard sell on uh george about asking lorraine to the dance and uh well uh, in george's eyes it looks like lorraine might want to go to the dance with biff because Ugh. i guess he can't tell the difference between um you know some something someone being sort of like harassed by somebody and then somebody who's genuinely enjoying the the company of somebody else yeah i think it just I mean, you heard it. He didn't want to get rejected for his story. You know, he's just already accepting defeat before he even tries. Um, you know, but I, I like, that's why I said that it's like Marty's so interesting because he doesn't act like his, you know, the family that we meet who is just kind of accepting as things are. I love he gets in Biff's face. You know. Yeah, he, he says, uh, take your meat hooks off of her and then you know as biff rises to his full size uh there's a great shot of just like the marty's face being more and more obscured until just his eyes are sort of peeking over the shoulder of biff and you can tell he's in a little bit over his head but not to worry because uh much like he does all the time strickland is there and uh and, and and Biff puts on a bit of a show uh, in front of the principal. Yeah, oh, fuck. And he has that world-famous line of his that was all improvised, apparently, too. He's like, yeah. you know, he's like, make like a tree and get out of here. He's just like, yeah. oh, my fucking lord. So he's dumb. We've yeah. established <laughs> he doesn't... Yeah, and 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 he shows up by getting such a simple, um, uh, a, a, such a simple little bit of slang wrong. Um, go ahead. No, I was just like fucking, and that was all for naught because when Marty turns around, he notices that George left. Yeah, he's always leaving while this other stuff is happening because, of course. Lorraine is uh is is basically sliding off her chair, <laughs> um at the at the show of uh of of manly uh of manly force that uh that that Marty has put on, um and this is just it turns out to be an amuse bouche uh to what comes, uh not too much later, um but we'll get there when we get there first off. This all this sci-fi talk has given Marty a plan, uh, because <laughs> not not only the sci-fi talk, but as he's you know following his dad home uh, and trying to convince him to to ask his mom out to the dance, um, George drops the the line that uh, he uh, no one on this earth will be able to convince him. <laughs> yeah, it, it's gonna take someone from the stars. Yep, and that's that sets up the next scene. <laughs> where Marty uses all his fun gadgets from the '80s uh, to take advantage of George's uh, sci-fi obsession, um, and uh, he shows up uh, in the middle of the night, sneaks into George's room, 
<laughs> in the hazmat suit, uh, puts the old uh, Walkman um, earphones on on him while he sleeps and uh, plays really loud guitar guitar music, which uh, uh, to which George does not take off the headphones. <laughs> he wakes up terrified, but he does not take off the headphones. You know who was playing that guitar? Uh, Huey Lewis? (laughs) No, no. (laughs) It was Eddie Van Halen. It was an unused Eddie Van Halen track um, from another thing that he was doing. Um, So, yeah, there you go. So the little squiggly do that he was doing, fucking frying George's brain with awesome rock and roll. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, Eddie Van Halen, rest in peace. Mhm. Mhm. Just thought mm-hmm. I'd throw that out there real quick. But indeed. N- now, here's the thing that always bugged me. I I love this scene. I think it's great. Him wearing the hazmat suit, the tape. George is just like freaked out and, you know, uh uh Marty's all like My name is Darth Vader. Uh Darth Vader and um and uh yeah i think so i think it's interesting that he doesn't take the things off his ears it's clear that the actor chrisman glover thought about it as a second as he like kind of put his hands up to his the side of his head um but decides not to it's a weird i think maybe he's interested in where it was going Right, <laughs> he's like, but it hurts to have them on. But what if I took them off? <laughs> well, maybe he's worried more worried about the uh, repercussions of taking them off. Yeah, because we maybe. find out the next day that he was threatened that he would he needs to ask out Lorraine or Darth Vader will melt his brain. Yeah, very good motivation to go ask somebody out if you're always sure. worried about it. Because he's completely different than when we see them the next day. Like, he is completely, like, he's bouncing around. He actually seems pretty manic, right? Well, yeah, I think he just finally met a visitor from another world. <laughs> something that he's really passionate about. And it gives him enough juice to do what he needed to do. Um, you know, he doesn't since... question for a second that Marty, he tells this whole story to Marty and Marty doesn't even bat an eyelash. Yeah, well, Marty's the kid from out of town. Seems a little weird, you know, maybe a little accepting. Yeah, he doesn't question it, but why? Like, I wouldn't. He's just in a state, I guess. Yeah, he's like fully that. primed and to and to like accept the fact that he was visited by an alien uh, that threatened to melt his brain, and he's just gonna tell his new friend about it. And now he actually wants his help, and that's what's important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's motivated to actually to do the thing now that that uh, this mystery Marty was uh, suggesting to him just before. Yeah. The day and, uh, before. Yeah. Ben, it seems like all the kids always hang out at the diner. So. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Mm. Why was that diner so smoky? 
Well, because fucking kids like smoking cigarettes. And... I guess. No one was smoking, but the diner was so smoky. Well, you know, maybe some uh, maybe some of the counter people were smoking. Uh, you know, filling it up. Maybe fog machine. Maybe someone burnt some hash browns or eggs. You know, many reasons why it was smoky. Um, yeah, I guess it could have been. It could have been any number of those things. Yeah, like, you know, I remember the last time I went to a restaurant that had a smoking and non-smoking section, it weirded me out, so. Um, yeah, when was that? Uh, 2004? Wow, where? It was in Chicago. Interesting. Um, yeah, I went to go, went to go visit my family out there, kind of for the first time, and... Um, my sister, uh, used to smoke a lot. She doesn't smoke as much as before, but we went to go eat at like a Chili's or something. And we were like, they were like smoking or non-smoking and my, it, it, it stunned me. And then she's like smoking. So then we <laughs> like, went no, over to, oh no. <laughs> yeah, we went over to the smoking section and it was just like, holy shit. Like people are smoking them. Like this is going to be the last time they're going to be able to smoke cigarettes in a, Oh, okay. I get why they're smoking them like that now. They're just smoking the shit out of them cigarettes. And um, it was just, it was so weird. Like, like I mean, it was so, it was, it was so foreign because at this point it has been like uh, 15 plus years that you can smoke cigarettes here in, you know, any restaurant in the city. And it's just so weird to see like this last holdout be the chilies and like... <laughs> Illinois, but there you go. Yeah. I, um, it seemed, it's so, I'm so glad you said chilies. That seems so appropriate. Yeah. Oh, it'd be weird if I was like, yeah, I went to a Morton's or. <laughs> right. It's just like the last bastion of smoking sections. It feels right that it's the, uh, that it's, uh, it's chilies for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, not that fancy of an eater. I don't need to be wined and dined at the greatest of places, so Chili's oh, yeah. with the smoking section was a okay with John. Oh, me too. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm right there with you. I'd much rather be at a Fuddruckers than Momofudo. <laughs> yeah, I I would rather. Uh, I don't know. I take Momofukas over Fuddruckers, <laughs> but I couldn't say that with a straight face. <laughs> I know. You know, it was we're, so, we're sp- so hard. If yeah. you were given the given the choice and you chose the chilies, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad it wasn't me. So at that point, I'd have been like, I'd like to go visit a nice local place. Yeah, <laughs> chilies. Yeah. Well, I think the last time I was in Chicago, the first place I ate was California Pizza Kitchen. So I'm one to talk. <laughs> oh shit! You jonesing for home? Like, oh, no, man, I, go I don't even know why we went there. It's such a, it was, it's like, we just got here. Can we have deep dish or something? No. Let's have barbecue chicken pizza because it's like a good fucking idea. That, that is kind of weird. Right? That is kind of, yeah, like, it's, especially if you're in the land of deep dish, you should just go get the deep dish. But instead, yeah, you're like, instead mm. it's like stringy white meat and tangy sauce. 
all over this sweet crust that makes case like candy. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um so yeah, we we're back to the movie. We're in the di- the smoky smoky diner. Every kid in school is there having fun. Um and thank goodness because we're going to go round number 2. We're going to try again to to ask uh Lorraine out. Uh, for George to ask her Lorraine out and she he you know Marty gives him all his best lines you know tell him tell him that she's your destiny um but uh as you might expect George gets fucks this up and uh he keeps referring to it as uh his density uh Lorraine my density has brought me to you has popped me to you uh so fucking funny um but he does get it right eventually that probably was the chocolate milk to steady his nerves (laughs) oh my god that part how much did you love that part it's pretty good milk chocolate (laughs) (laughs) catches it downs a gulp fucking He's gonna have sour milk breath coming over there. You're my density. To quote you from last episode, she becomes sort of ensorcelled with his uh, words and his dreamy eyes, and it works for a second. She's like, "Oh," because he's like, "You are my destiny." <laughs> it kind of, it's kind of working, but the spell is broken. Yeah, fucking Biff. Goddamn Biff. Biff's, Biff's here ruin again. everything. Biff's ruined fun. Yeah. And he and he thought he told George he didn't want to see him around here anymore. Yeah, fuck that guy. Like, I'll let you do my homework. I'll let you do this stuff, but you can't come to this diner. This is my diner. This is my smoking session. Yeah. In this diner. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, Marty trips him. Yeah, I love that. I love it. Fucking... Not a care, not a concern. Just says fuck this guy, trips him, and then uh, fucking sucker punches him too when he gets up. And I'm for it. Oh yeah, yeah. He really, uh, he really sucker punches him good. And um, that that uh, that's the second show of force that wow. Uh, Lorraine is just like <laughs> she is just she is uh, rabid with lust for this uh, for her unbeknownst to her son yeah see that's where those uh, shitty lines would have worked didn't come into play after all mm-hmm. just just not enough that, that show <laughs> of manliness fucking took it right out of there yeah totally takes the winds out of uh George's sails, but what we get next is an amazing sort of chase sequence around this Hill Valley set, like the square, uh, where Marty basically invents skateboarding. Yeah, I guess that's I what they're implying. Right? Because he says, like, he, the kid is like, uh, or like somebody said as, as he goes by, what is he on? Or it's like, it's, it's a board with wheels on it. Yeah, well, it's the um, 
Yeah, as he he as he's right. Yeah, what's it a push board or some shit? I don't know. Like yeah, he's a kid's got like a uh, like an apple box that he's that he's com- like uh, converted into some sort of like oldie time scooter, and uh, Marty rips off the sort of like part you hold on to the, the apple box that's sort of the front and handles and and so he's just left with a board that has sort of like a <clears throat> like a skid uh, thing in the back or just like it sort of has a lip in the back and and a bunch of roller skate wheels on the bottom yeah it's uh, like I don't know I never grew up with anything that looked like that so um, <laughs> thank goodness for Marty you know the uh, Doing the Lord's work by inventing skateboarding. Yeah. Tony Hawk uh, should really be thanking Marty for this. He probably is. It's like, oh, I don't have a pocket. Tony Hawk. But I imagine he's quite happy that uh, Marty McFly invented it. I I, I do like it. Here, I, have a, I have a t- pocket Tony Hawk for you. <clears throat> okay. Hi, I'm Tony Hawk. <laughs> Play my video game. Terrifying. Terrifying. It's like felt like you just leapt from uh, the warehouse level right into my ears. <laughs> of course, that you, there's a ton of points for doing that. But please uh, continue. Yeah, it's just I, I love him zipping around the fucking uh, you know the town square doing that. What what you call it? Scratching, scritch, scritching, skitching, skitching, skitching. Um, as he's fucking doing all that. And um, leads uh, Biff and the Zane in their car into a manure truck where it just fills up with manure. Good times. Yeah, and uh, and Biff hates manure. Well, I mean, like, who likes manure? Yeah, I guess he doesn't say that. Like, that's something that is called back to in later films. I guess he doesn't go. It's manure. I hate manure. Yeah. Um, it, that's, yeah, but, that's not in this one. Yeah, but who says, likes I'm manure? I'm going to get that son of a bitch. Nobody. Like, Except exactly. Flowers. I mean, okay, sure. <laughs> but I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, who, like, you know, that I like that's where he draws the line. Like, I hate manure. Yeah, he gets, and that's it. That's the final straw. He wrecked his car and covered him and his uh, friends in manure. So, um, from there, uh, Marty sort of absconds back to uh, Doc's place where they they kind of lay out the plan. Uh, Doc has, has fitted the DeLorean with a hook, um, that will channel the energy of the lightning directly into the flux capacitor. And they do a very fun little example where Doc has built a scale model of the town in the <laughs> afternoon. And uh, they do a little test. Uh, but even in the test, the, uh, the toy car they're using lights on fire. Yeah, well, I think it's just because he didn't um, paint the the town <laughs> right yeah. Yeah. i mean funny. also it's just like what is this a test of eh, well you know uh, science. science what happens works when in... you electrocute a car <laughs> yeah well <laughs> distance and speed and i don't know it's 
it's cool to have model making skills. I think he just wanted the show off. Yeah, I think so too. But um, they're uh, they're sort of testing is interrupted at, by a knock at the at the uh, the door of the garage because apparently people know they were in the garage, not the uh, sprawling main house, or maybe she went to the main house first. I well, she, well, I mean, she followed him, right? So, like, yeah, right. She was probably just peeping. Yeah, Maybe that's what like, her and George have in common. Oh, you think that they're just both like uh, voyeurs or some shit like that, or peeping yeah. toms? Like, they both get off on voyeur stuff. I mean, I wouldn't put it past her. I mean, she does a bunch of shit. You know, she was a. Uh, I don't know what this. I don't know if there's a fucking proper way of saying it. So I'm just gonna yeah. keep my mouth shut. Other than that, yep. um, <laughs> but she, we can say with some confidence that she is a a very thirsty cut, th- very thirsty customer, and basically, uh, is basically telling Marty to ask her to the enchantment under the sea dance, um. The, the physical the acting by uh george uh, by um christopher lloyd uh in this moment is uh incredible the, the looks that he is giving marty as he uh talks to his mom um as he talks to lorraine are fucking classic <laughs> and the way they sort of collapse into each other like towards the end as uh you know she's like basically um, uh, making uh, him ask her out to the dance is just second to none. So funny. Yeah, it's a good scene. Just shows how thirsty she is. <laughs> so thirsty. It's the only way to put it. Only nice way to put it, I guess. Um. Um. Yeah, um she's trying to get some of that sunny D. <laughs> 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 mm. Mm. that's gonna be a that's gonna be a, a taste for a while thanks <laughs> it's a taste for a new generation yeah it's fucking about as good as tab yep uh tab's still worse yeah, that's fair <laughs> um <laughs> so it's more imperative than not that Marty gets his parents hooked up. So that's when he heads to George's house, right? Yep. Oh. Um, where they kind of lay out the plan where, you know, he'll make a move in the car. George intervenes. Then, you know, he looks like he's a big badass. Bada bing, bada boom. You know, uh, Lorraine and George hooks up. That That's the idea. And then we get uh, a very nice line from Marty. Confidence. You know, if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. <laughs> yeah, that that's a very cool line, and it does come back later. Yeah, that's, that's why it's there, you know. Um, I know, I like it too, because it just kind of harkens to Marty's like can do attitude versus you know can't do attitude. Yeah. Um George is very self-defeating and and to your point Marty is very uh positive uh in a way that his dad is not. Yeah, and he had to learn that from someone or somewhere 
or you know he just figured it out on his own then i think we have a scene where uh they're beginning doc and uh marty are beginning to set up the lightning trap for That's later right. or at least uh you know start uh setting things up but this is where um marty and uh doc have a really awesome like a tender moment where marty knows that the future he's going back to doc is dead so that sort of colors all of their conversations and Mm -hmm. doc is sort of talking about how he is just so happy that he's made this thing that works and then he will be able to like travel through time when he eventually creates it meanwhile marty knows that he will never travel through time basically in the timeline that he came from because uh doc dies so this is when he tries to tell him and uh doc is not having not hearing any of it no he doesn't want to absolutely he he definitely tries a lot um and so he realizes that doc won't listen to him if he tries to tell him so he at that point he write da- writes it down in a letter um and uh you know he goes over to the diner and gets some stationery writes down a letter and tells him uh that what would happen um when we were watching it i was watching this with my wife and she pointed out a very interesting detail in the letter that marty writes to doc which ends up being very instrumental uh later in the film spoiler alert but uh the letter just says that on the night he goes back doc dies and then asks him to take all the proper precautions, but doesn't tell him how he dies. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know that that's fair, but I think yeah. same same so time. Like the... Yeah, go ahead. No, it's the same time. You know, he he's a eccentric scientist, and he'll probably be like, "Well, what would Libyans do to me? Oh, they'd probably shoot me. Let me let me wear a bulletproof vest real quick." Yeah, it could be that he just takes all the precautions that one would take to not to die. Yeah. But from there we go to the dance, and uh, there's some really cool decorations in this dance. the 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 Neptune stab- statue, uh, especially, is a is a fun time. I've never been at a dance that was this well decorated. Not even my prom. No, no, it it. Uh, yeah they have like full-on sculptures and and beautiful fountains and stuff like that um but uh (laughs) so george is dancing like a goon uh meanwhile outside uh marty and his mom pull up in a car and they have a very funny exchange about parking (laughs) marty i'm almost 18 years old it's not like i've never parked before what (laughs) Yeah, I mean, she gets down, she gets down. Fucking Yeah. He's finding out all sorts of things about his mom. And then there's a really... uh, Upon watching it this time, I never really, like, clicked with me how sad this next scene is. Whereas they're talking about parking, and clearly this is uh, just like a euphemism for making out in the car. And he's surprised that his his mom, who he he claimed is sort of chased earlier, is is into all this craziness when she was young. But then she pulls out a bottle of liquor and he's like, oh, don't, maybe don't do that because you might regret it later. 
<laughs> you're like, oh, this is uncomfortable because Marty knows his mom is like a raging alcoholic and uh, has a real problem where he comes from. So he's like trying to kind of nip that in the bud. Um, but it's actually quite kind of sad. I never thought about it like that. Hmm. Shows where <laughs> I was going. <laughs> I was just like, look at look at this. She's just she's she's engaged in all the vices. I didn't even think mm-hmm. about the fact that she was uh yeah, a raging alcoholic in his current future in in his present time. Oh. Yeah. Way to make that, that worse. It occurred to me, right? Like never. I... That's the thanks. Depress me now. <laughs> this movie's sad. It, well, because I never really noticed as a kid, or certainly even when I watched it, like when she is talking about, like when she's in the kitchen pouring herself another glass, how they really have that vodka bottle f- framed well, like in the shot, and it clearly says vodka on it. So they're trying to establish that, like, you know, the his parents are n- not only emotionally detached from each other and their children but also just like they're kind of sliding into their own sort of separate um, like uh, vice-based coping mechanisms to this like depressed situation. So it makes it even weirder that Marty has this sort of can-do attitude and you you see it, I think, if you see it within the context and through the lens of that first scene, then it's almost like this is... Uh, like his sort of chipper optimism is, is like a coping mechanism. Um, so yeah, sad movie. Everyone feels it should feel sad about it. Yeah. Thanks man. I think I'd rather talk <laughs> about the movie that would cause a ring like event. No, 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 we, we shouldn't mention that. We, we don't want your, uh, your future self to come back. That's all right. You know I he's got not a answer. Well, gonna shoot your feet. Yeah. You're I don't like the way he sounded. Self. Now you weirded me the fuck out. Wow. Yeah. Well, talk about time ramifications. Um, but hey, who uh, knows? You could be doing this podcast with Forrest Whitaker if I take myself out of the equation. You'd be all right. <laughs> um. Wow. Can you imagine Forrest and Forrest? <laughs> I know the pop saga <laughs> with the forces. <laughs> Um, no, whatever. <laughs> There's no way that would happen. Forrest Whitaker's not talking to me. I know, because I write them all the time. I'm like, you're called Forrest. I'm called Forrest. Let's be piss friends. <laughs> we see that, like, uh, George has sort of been uh, getting punched and not paying attention, and he's kind of late for the sort of rigged um, uh, show of her- heroism that he... he, he that him and Marty planned out um, because it's not George who pulls him out of the car. Uh, no, these, these big beefy meat hooks are belong to none other than Biff. Yeah, fucking Biff Tannen. This motherfucker. Yeah. And he's got here uh, after Marty because Marty did a substantial amount of damage to his car. Yeah. I mean, I guess $300 worth of body work or whatever is pretty expensive and, 1950s parlance oh my gosh back then of course oh my gosh can you imagine i don't know i can't replace the back part of my car for less than like 5k now so yeah (laughs) i take i take i take 300 dollars for all manure action any day of the week (laughs) i mean yeah but please dollars in detailing alone 
Yeah, but please don't put manure in my car. <laughs> please. If you're hearing this, please don't put manure in John's car. If you somehow yeah. know where John's car is. Yeah. It, it It's not the DeLorean. Or maybe it is. It's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Um, but uh, yeah. So he, he Biff's goons um sort of uh grab Marty and 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 not all the fast talking or or sucker punches in the world can uh, work now because they they sort of cart him away, and then Biff basically sexually assaults Lorraine in a very upsetting way. Yeah. Uh, I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable talking about it, not because it's funny, uh, because it is absolutely not funny. And, uh, even though I remembered, I remember this movie very well cause I see it a lot and I remember that this happened. Uh, it is upsetting every time, um, because she is, does not want him, um, to be doing anything like this and, uh, and, and, you know, he doesn't stop and it is, uh, upsetting. Yeah, it it's a shitty scene. Uh, we should point out before Biff does all this that uh, Lorraine kisses Marty and has a change of heart. I think that's yeah, that's important. That is um, important. She kisses him and she says it's like kissing her brother. And I think in that moment she sort of realizes that the their connection is less romantic and and more of like a familial familiarity yeah and then biff goes in and breaks everything up and does his creepo shit and we should say that biff so um lorraine is uh played by leah thompson um and uh and thomas f wilson plays biff tannen and this role would sort of haunt uh, Thomas S., uh, F. Wilson um, for the rest of his uh, well I mean he's still alive <laughs> but up, yeah. up until this point um, to the point where he had to like he would people would come up to him and want to talk about Back to the Future and ended up having to like hand out hand them little cards that that just basically explain that he doesn't want to talk about <laughs> Back to the Future um, or it they also had like just uh generally asked questions just like you know stupid shit people would ask him constantly they just yeah. would answer that type of stuff but yeah that's how iconic biff was he's not even on the screen a whole lot but what you get of him is i mean it's excellently done like that level of creep and bully was like and, you know, I hear the actors, nothing like that, obviously, but, you know, that's going to definitely cement itself in uh, people's uh, perceptions of the the actor and the character and all that stuff. So I think yeah. it's partly why he gets a little bit more cartoony in the later ones um, is the, and, trying and to help I think, break that up. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think if you're interested in, like, finding out more about this go ahead and look he did a very funny you can find it on youtube but he did a very funny sort of stand-up song about it um like or a poem or like a spoken word song or something about uh his response to people who would ask him the same questions over and over and over again about back to the future 
Um, but I uh, just wanted to throw that in there to lighten the mood <laughs> because we're going to go from attempted rape uh, t- from that uh, to some just abject, abject racism. Yeah, I mean, it's the it's the second bit of racism in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the first one happens to Goldie because Goldie, um, we we just kind of jumped over, it, but Goldie, who is running for mayor in Marty's time, is just the busboy at the diner, and you know we hear that he's going to night school and he he wants to make something of himself, and you know it's just pretty much referred to a colored mayor, ugh, you know that'll be the day. Uh, type of attitude and obviously you know Goldie is doing something for himself because he is running for mayor and all this shit and I think he is running for re-election re-election yeah excuse me re-election because he was um, already mayor um, but yeah so he achieved it alright so he showed all those people who probably died long <laughs> long ago what's up <laughs> but um yeah, then we, you know, when Marty's getting dragged off by Zane and the gang, um, he's thrown in the back. Eh, who the fuck does this? Like, if I see open trunk and I'm dragging somebody, I'm not throwing that person in the open trunk just not knowing who just the trunk Just a random to. open trunk. Yeah. And people are very clearly sitting inside. There's smoke billowing out of all those windows. Yeah, and it's, I don't know. That just, that always cracked me up. Because I was just like, what? That that's your move, huh? That's what you just did in the the fifties, I guess. <laughs> throw them in any trunk, any one yeah. that's open. Just throw them in there. That's just what we did back in the day, I guess. Um, that's how we got things done. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it does that, and it turns out that the car that this belongs to is some of the um band members who are on uh, break. Marty's stuck in the trunk, and then. We get this. They're they're all coming out of the car that's billowing smoke. Hey, hey, listen, guys. Look, I don't want to mess with no reefer addicts, okay? Get home to your mom. You don't want to mess with no reefer addicts because these guys are getting... uh, Hi. I didn't want to play the full line because... um, There is a racial (laughs) slur in it. Yeah, not, not the worst one. Nope. I think they're all bad, but it's up there. And while obviously we know that stuff exists nowadays, no one should be pretending otherwise. Uh, my hope is one day that we can all get past that. And um, these are more used as uh, moments of time than um, uh, invocative of what is still happening today. But uh the dudes were cool. Um, they find out that uh, Marty's stuck in the truck, and the keys to the to the car are actually on the inside of the trunk, which I think is really weird. But yeah. uh, <laughs> and Marty could somehow tell. There's no light back there. He just maybe he fell on him. Yeah, and then uh, what ha- what happens next is I think it, we cut back over to George. Going over to the car, thinking that it's still Marty and Lorraine. Yeah, he finally gets his act together and uh, and goes to the car, throws open the door, and, and says his line. 
get your damn hands off of her. Um, and uh, then he realizes, oh, it's not Marty, it's Biff. Um, and this is his his opportunity to grow a spine, and he does. Yeah, he was about he... to turn around and go away because you know that's what Biff was saying, what to do, get the fuck out of here, type of attitude, and nope, he stands his ground. Yeah, he stands his ground, and uh, but you know Biff is huge, and so he gets out of the car and just starts twisting his arm. I'm gonna break his arm. And uh, man, uh, he really does look like he's about to break break his arm. <laughs> but like Lorraine coming out and interfering, like uh, Biff grabs her by the face and shoves her to the ground. And that really, uh, that really sets George off and he balls his fist up. And so while, uh, you know, Biff is sort of turning around, he knocks him out cold, spins him around. Yeah, he punches the shit out of Biff. I was like, yeah, fuck that guy up. And like, I mean, I've seen it before, but I'm still happy to see him get his comeuppance. Right? Um, It felt so, you're like, yeah, get him. Yeah, fuck that guy up. And, um... When that happens, people are starting to be shocked. Marty gets taken out of the trunk, but the uh, singer, um, his name's Marvin, cuts his hand. Um, and he, so he's like, hey, you know, we're going to pack it up. He, he's like, I can't play music. So that scene's kind of happening as, um, you know, George is getting, everyone's looking at George in kind of awe. Yeah. You know, Marty needs the dance to still happen for for uh, his future to be secure because the kids are still vanishing off of that picture. But um, you know, he the guy says, uh, you know, I'm, we're not playing anymore unless somebody can uh, uh, play the guitar. And luckily, we know from earlier that Marty can. I think it's Earth yep. Angel that they're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got it. Earth Angel, Earth Angel, uh, please summon a weird ginger guy. (laughs) He's gonna cut in and sort of be some sort of secondary Biff proxy. (laughs) Uh, It's gonna be another time that George needs to stick up. For himself. <laughs> yeah, I think that's exactly how the song goes. Um, yep. Yeah. It's weird pitch, that it's describing perfect. exactly what's happening in the movie. Yeah. Well, I think sometimes that stuff needs to be said, and, you know, um, if you can do it through song, all the better. I agree. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so he, uh, George, again shows that it wasn't just a fluke he has his he he he's sticking up for himself and uh he cuts back in um uh <laughs> Lorraine has no agency in this moment uh she's just screaming for George's help as she is being um danced uh non-consensually danced with and uh and that's you know like it's really just up to george at this point because marty is like he's starting to vanish 
his his hand is becoming transparent and he can't even hardly play anymore uh he's collapsed the the, the time sickness has got him um but uh, but no need to worry because uh uh george and lorraine kiss and it's a big like crescendo of the music and marty is suddenly restored and so is the picture the timeline is saved seems to be fine the band likes his playing so then they sit there and say hey you want you want to play another you want to play another song and then possibly my biggest problem with this whole movie happens right here <laughs> yep i'm right there with you let's do something that really cooks and he's just like, all right, just play, uh, play a blues riff. <laughs> Everyone knows exactly what to do. Yeah, that's part of it. <laughs> and then also that uh, Marty's voice completely changes. That's part of it, too. Okay. So well, let's hear. Well, I want to hear all the problems you have with this because I think I share them. Well, the, the the my main problem is he starts playing Johnny Be Good, and it sounds great, right? The guy they got to sing is obviously doing a good job. He's sitting around people. The 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 apparently in the fifties everyone was coordinated coordinated enough to know how to dance to this stuff. And then, so as he's sitting there playing, Marvin is in the back, and calls up his cousin. Right, so he calls up his <laughs> his cousin Chuck, who you know you you infer that this is Chuck Berry, and then um playing Johnny Be Good and all this stuff. So then it's just saying that uh, um through uh, Marty, that's where Chuck Berry got the idea. Yeah, <laughs> he's responsible for Chuck Berry's fame. Sure. Yeah, I was like, okay. Alright, I guess we gotta give you that now, too. <laughs> well, I mean, yep, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, Elvis took everything else. Uh, now it's time for Marty to take what's left. Yeah, and I mean, look, it, it it's coming from a good, it's coming from a good place, and no one would, you know, think about it in those terms, but kind of with a... Uh, 2020 filter or just general filter it's just kind of like come on man like (laughs) (laughs) it is a weird inception too right because he never would have been able to play it at that moment had chuck berry not actually thought of it in his timeline so it's this weird recursive well actually we'll talk about that a little bit when everything is done like because of the different We'll talk a little bit about like how the the different um, like theories of time travel might apply to this movie and what that might actually mean to certain parts of the story. But um, but yeah, good point. <laughs> it's kind of through the lens of today. Uh, I think that that scene takes on a new meaning that is um, that is even a little more problematic than like the logic. Yeah, and again, it's like, I know it's not, that's not how that was seen at all, not whatsoever, no one's thinking like that, um, especially when they were doing it, they were just trying to have a nice little just tie into everything, but it's kind of like, come on, man, like, I, I looked it up just to kind of see where Chuck Berry was, 
at or what he's doing at this time, and he was already like, um, uh, R and B star to be on the lookout for. So he was already doing well as far as fame in 1955. In fact, I think on the date that this happened was probably when that article went out for him too. So obviously Chuck Berry did fine, but it's just one of those things. It's just like, come on, man. But yeah, you know, it happens. He plays Johnny be good, but then he starts since he's so excited that he has an audience. He starts just mimicking all the, the greats, Hendrix, Angus Young, I'm blanking on the guy who plays for the Who. You know, he's <laughs> fucking playing the guitar behind his head. He's, you know, jumping around. He's doing all this shit. And uh, that's a little too much for the people of 1955. But your kids will love it. Yep. Speaking of kids, um, as Marty is on his way out, because he's got a... He, he took a little detour, but he's got to meet Doc to get back to the future, the title of the movie. Um, and uh, he has a weird interaction with Lorraine and um, and, and George. One one final one. Um, uh, in in the like the vestibule or the or the stairwell as as he's leaving the dance, and he brings up an an incredibly specific instance <laughs> to look for them to look out for in their future. One other thing. If you guys ever have kids and one of them, when he's eight years old, accidentally sets fire to the living room rug, go easy on them. Okay. (laughs) It's very oddly specific, but... Very specific and very weird thing to say to two people after they've just had a first date or just like a first encounter with each other. Um, but yeah, he's, he's using his time travel knowledge to try to, to try to get him out of getting in trouble once when he was eight. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, one of those things where you're, you're assuming a lot, but, um, uh, since, uh, you know, his mom called out that this was the moment they fell in love, I guess he could uh, assume some things. But- yeah. <laughs> right i guess like at later then they would you know tell the story and be like well marty knew he knew right then that we would have kids he was so knowledgeable about stuff <laughs> he was ahead of his time yeah wink wink but but um you know, we don't have to even have time to really to, to live in that moment or digest it because guess what? We're back to the clock tower. And uh, this next sequence is just one of the more thrilling, I don't know, in movies ever. <laughs> it's just paced extremely well. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just uh, all about them trying to get Marty back home. They're at the clock tower. They have all the, the rigs set up. Um... And, uh, you know, it's Doc is, uh, I think the, the scene where Doc checks three different clocks as, uh, as he's waiting for Marty is fantastic. Well, you know, he's always been kind of timed obsessed. So yeah, it's good to see that that is still a trait 
he walk like he looks at a, a pocket watch and he's like damn and then he walks two feet looks at one another wristwatch and he's like damn and then he walks like another three feet and looks at another watch and it's like damn uh just such good uh acting comedic acting by christopher lloyd Mm-hmm. and then th- this part i love too though marty runs up and it's just like he tells him that you know george knocked out biff in one punch and that he never stood up to biff before and then again christopher lloyd has this look on his face where he's just like uh-oh like he's like never <laughs> and he's like okay yeah. never mind ignore it yeah he's like okay we got other stuff to do now but he that i saw that too that was such a great like expression acting by uh christopher lloyd um just such such great little subtle parts of the movie mhm mhm and then uh uh you know they set the clock on the DeLorean to um, the exact moment that Marty left. Doc and Marty hug. And then you'll see each other in 30 years. That's when Doc discovers that Marty slipped a letter in his pocket, the one that he wrote earlier. And then he's pissed and he starts tearing up the letter. Yep. And then, like, as the weather's starting to go from kind of normal day to crazier. The uh, tree branch falls on the cable and then um, disconnects the uh, the uh, the weirdest looking extension cord I've ever seen. But I guess that's. Yeah, right. It's a weird plug. It always kind of weirded me out, too. But I love this. The scene you were just talking about, because. Marty tries to tell Doc after he rips up the thing about what will happen, but then the tree comes down and like. Every time he tries to tell him what ha- what will happen, like something happens. Like when he's, you know, the doc has to climb up uh, to reattach the extension cord. And when he's up there, Marty tries to yell at out at him, like what will happen. And uh, then, you know, the clock tower strikes. Okay. We get... Great Christopher Lloyd acting of him looking in the clock tower as it strikes again, and then like we're going, ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's cool. He can't hear shit though, so he just tells him go, 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 and then yeah, Marty uh, gets in the car. Everything happens. The end. No, I'm kidding. The, the fucking. <laughs> That's the, kind the, of what happened. The next sequence is super like tense and snappy. I mean, like you don't. You know, he's he first the car stalls and he can't uh, he can't get it started uh, after he decides, hey, uh, if only I had more time, I have all the time in the world. I'm going to go back 10 minutes before Doc is shot and that way I'll have plenty of time to get there and warn him. He's always thinking about how he's going to save his friend. Um, but uh, here's an interesting f- f- thing I thought. So Doc is trying to connect the, the the extension cord back together. Um and he has all sort of like Pratt falls. He's like falling off the clock and he and he kind of like uh he he loses his footing and he 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 grabs one of the, the minute hands and he's hanging off the clock, but earlier in the movie, when we were looking at all of Doc's clocks, 
in um in his garage he had a clock that was of that buster keaton i think it's buster keaton or was was it charlie chaplin one of those it's, uh, charlie chaplin i think is the one who okay. does the clock bits all right so it's charlie chaplin he has like a clock of charlie chaplin hanging off the clock hand mm-hmm. and he he sort of does that same thing at this moment in the movie when he loses his footing and sort of has to uh, grip the clock. <laughs> it sounds dirty. Grip. He has to grip onto that clock. Yeah, like you do. <laughs> like you, like you do. You know, when you're falling, you grip onto the clock. Um, and uh, but I thought that was a funny, like, visual parallel and a callback to that scene. Um. But, uh, you know, uh, everything kind of comes together and uh, Doc, like, does some amazing acrobatics and everything is sort of like, will it happen? Oh, it's like split-second timing uh, down to the to the uh, fact that uh, just before uh, Doc, like, reconnects the, the wire at the bottom because it became unplugged when he was trying to pull it to connect it to the top, when he slides down there and reconnects it, the lightning strikes the cord, and then the it takes its time traveling down. Yeah, the slowest lightning I've ever seen. But yep. um, I mean, it helped because Marty got that late start because the DeLorean decided to stop working until uh, yep. a good old solid headbutt to the steering wheel started it, which um, speaks to the quality of a DeLorean, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, DeLoreans do have a bit of a reputation, but, um, but I guess you don't. They their engines don't flood, and when it's not working, you just hit your head against the dash, and off you go. Um, but uh, they're able. The their last second, um, quick thinking is able uh, to to make sure everything lines up. The lightning strikes, it goes right into the flux capacitor, and boom. Uh, he is, uh, he's vanished and uh, leaves only flaming tire, uh, tracks behind and, and Doc does an awesome, like, he does like a little ha ha and and dances in the, in the street a little after the, after this finishes. How tense it is, is actually, uh, insane. I didn't think it was as tense as it was until like rewatching it. Cause I always seem to. When I catch it on TV, I'm always either catching it right after this part or right as the DeLorean is just about to hit it. Like, so you miss all that tension. But the fact that you're getting issues on both ends really adds to the, is this going to happen or is Marty stuck in the past forever? Um, but fortunately for him, we return to the present. We're in this, we're in the same area. He's there, and then uh, the porn theater still exists, so, you know, looks like future save. Yeah, exactly. There's, uh, Marty's like, uh, he sees a homeless fella who is on a bench, and he's like, awesome, it's the future, everything's shitty again. And then this VW bus goes rolling down the street. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And he's trying to start the DeLorean, but much like earlier, it's stalled out. And this time, doesn't matter how many uh, headbutts uh, he's going to do, it's not starting again. So he has to book it on foot uh, after the this VW bus filled with uh, armed Libyans. 
Yeah, he even hops over the he hops over the homeless dude, and uh, yeah, runs his way. Um, this kind of cracked me up because apparently, you know, the Californian raisins, uh, like the people who put that out, mm-hmm. uh, asked uh, paid some money to be advertised because they thought it would be the same as um what Reese's Pieces was for ET. Uh huh. So, yeah, for raisins. And, you know, like Robert Zemeckis and them were like, look, fucking raisins don't like they wanted bowls of raisins in places. They wanted all this stuff. <laughs> and they're like, I could, but he just kept saying, it's like, you know what raisins look like in a bowl? Looks like dirt. Um, So they ended up putting the one little ad on the back of this uh, park bench. And uh, that was it. And apparently that pissed off the California Raisin people so much that they uh, uh, they were about to sue. And uh, the studio just ended up saying, here's your 5000 bucks back. Like, we're good. <laughs> well, we'll even keep the thing in the thing. It's fine. Here you go. <laughs> that's like an awesome bit of trivia. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> This will be just like E.T., Every yeah. kid's gonna be like, "Give me that raisin." Yeah, what was that shriveled little turd-looking thing? I gotta have him. I was like, "Look, if Marty likes him, that means I'll like him, and I'm just as cool as fucking Marty." <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Um, as we intimated earlier, uh, the future has already been provably changed because. Uh, what was once Twin Pine Mall is now Lone Pine Mall. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Of Marty's actions. Mm-hmm. But fucking Marty is too late. Libyan's fucking shot up uh, Doc anyway. Yeah, Marty sees himself escaping. And then uh, the Libyan's crashed into the photo stand like you do. Um, yep, and, and that apparently, apparently takes them out for good. Well, you know, uh, photographs, you know, a lot of chemicals, I guess. Uh, probably enough to knock them unconscious for whatever reason. <laughs> yes, sure. Why yeah. not? Um, but, uh, yeah, but it, it, it's not all, Not all is not lost. He feels like he's there too late, and he has totally failed in his mission, but turns out... Uh, Doc is okay. He gets up from from being shot in the chest with uh, that AK-47. And he's got a bulletproof vest on. But how? How did he know? Well, he, he went back and found that letter and put it back together very he smartly, all that shit up. Yeah. And he's just like, what about the future? And he's like, uh, who gives a shit? <laughs> you know, yep. kind of attitude. Look, fucking, it's whatever. Uh... My favorite part was when he gets up, he gets up like the fucking Undertaker. Like, yeah. <laughs> he raises up behind him like he is zombified. Yeah, or like Michael Myers or something, you know, like, whew, I shot him. And all of a sudden he just creeps up in the background. <laughs> it was like, I don't, I don't think so. But Doc could have invented this bulletproof vest because I haven't been shot by an AK, but I don't imagine I'd be getting up even if a bullet. Re- Bulletproof S protected me from that. I don't think I'd be getting yeah. up with that much uh, vigor. Marty, my ribs. My ribs, Marty. My <laughs> dust. They're broken. I need robo ribs. Quick, give me Einstein ribs. I'll fuse them to myself. 
right, we're out of here. <laughs> so, yeah, that's when he drives the truck away, and you're like, Einstein was the real genius. <laughs> but uh, yeah, from that we get Marty getting dropped off at home, and Doc is like, oh, I'm going to the future. 30 years or so. And he does. Yeah, he's like, bye. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, same plan as before. Yep. And like Marty's like, watch out of the, the reentry is a little bumpy. <laughs> I guess that works yeah. because it should sound kind of like Crispin Glover a little bit. Yeah, you it's know, like it's a yeah, higher okay. Crispin Glover. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you that. Um, and then uh, and go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say we get another. We get Marty demonstrating that he sleeps weird again. Yeah, he also slept in late. I mean, I guess it was Saturday or Sunday or something. Um, but I don't know who the fuck could sleep like that. I'm going to try to sleep like that tonight and see what happens. Yeah, maybe it'll be good for our sciatica. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> like, I got the cure for you. Like, Forrest, I got the cure. <laughs> oh my god, future John's back. <laughs> oh, the voice is starting to change. <laughs> oh shit, this is the moment. um (laughs) so yeah i mean like he wakes up and everything's better the house is cleaner the decorations are better his brother and sister are uh, successful professionals it looks like um and you know he is marty i always wear what's with the suit i always wear a suit when i go to the office oh shit he goes to an office to work respectable well, I mean, he could be the manager to the place he used to work at. Right. <laughs> and he just wears a... Uh, everyone keeps asking him to not wear that fucking suit all the time, but he won't listen. I mean, McDowell's wore a suit in Coming to America, so... like, I mean, <laughs> sort of, right? Like, he had a vest and a tie and stuff. He, he's looking respectable, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that Marty's brother still works at the place. He's just higher up in middle management. Yeah. That's, and, my, uh, that's my head cannon. And and this version of uh, his mom comes out and she's cheery and she isn't drunk. <laughs> and she, uh, you know, and her uh, and uh, uh, George come back and he's looking sporty and fit and he's got cool glasses. He kind of looks like Marty uh, did. He's like, he's grown in, into a, a, a Marty. Um, uh, and uh, less of a George, more of a Marty. And, and he... Um, you know, there's that whole, there's a bunch of like gags to let us know that the future is different. Like, uh, he, uh, suddenly Lorraine is asking about, oh, you know, you're, uh, you're gonna, are you going to go on the, the big night? Uh, is it the big date with Jennifer, your girlfriend? You're going to go on that camping trip or whatever. And, um, and, uh, he, of course he says no, because the, the car is, is, is totaled. And everyone freaks out, which is understandable. Um, and then that allows us to see, oh no, not only is the car not totaled, it's a nice, it's a brand new Beamer. And uh, who's out there waxing it but a very nebbish, very sort of uh, um, uh, like uh, subservient Biff. Yeah, very role reversal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah you know, exactly. Like, it's a role reversal. Weird that um, the guy who tried to rape your mom in high school is now someone you hire on the regular 
to uh, maintain your automobiles, but, uh, you know, I guess maybe that's a power trip for uh, old George. Yeah, maybe that maybe that's that, that's what gets his jollies. <laughs> I guess no. voyeurism and uh and 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 uh like making uh this bully of yours and uh of of your wife's uh your sort of I mean they are paying him, so it's not like they are making him do anything that humiliating, but um you can see the power dynamic is pretty obvious. Indeed. And then, uh, you know, Biff tries to get one over on him, but George is prepared for his bullshit. He wants his two coats of wax on his car. That's what he's going to get. Then Biff somehow is also kind of like their assistant because he comes in to deliver a package that was dropped off. Uh, yeah, like the UPS guy just handed it to Biff. You're here. Yeah. And, you know, Biff, you would think, would probably just piss on it or take a shit in the box or something, but no. Yeah. He runs his like, you know, Mr. McFly, Mr. McFly, looks like your new book is in. A, a match made in space. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I guess he just finally got around to writing the thing inspired by the the thing that we just saw. Yeah. You know, had the little fucking uh, encounter suit on there. Both of them sitting on a bed. Real weird. Um, and then Marty gets the keys to a, a, a car. It's all waxed up for their big night. He goes into the garage and it's fucking it's the 4x4. Four four. Cool. It's the same 4x4 four four he was oogling before and now I guess his parents are, are, are well off enough even though they haven't moved out of this shitty neighborhood. Um, but they're well off enough to, to have bought him that brand new Toyota 4x4 four four. And, uh, and Jennifer comes by and then they're about to have a nice little the, the night that they planned but who shows up John? Fucking goddamn, goddamn Doc Brown. Fucking DeLorean yeah. block this time. He's back. Yeah. And he's got a crazy outfit on with his, like, opaque visor and a clear tie. And uh, you can tell that the DeLorean's been upgraded because there's a Mr. Fusion on back. And he's picking through the trash. An old Budweiser and... The banana uh, peel. And some banana peels in there to power the old De- DeLorean. And uh, they're setting up another zany adventure, but it's not. What, what does he say? He's like, he's like, uh, what's what happened, Doc? Do we turn into assholes? He's like, no, you're fine. It's your kids you need to worry about. Your kids are in jeopardy. And yeah, it's your kids, Marty. And they all pile into the DeLorean, uh, but it doesn't look like they have enough uh, road to get up to 88 miles per hour. <laughs> Doc, we better back up. We don't have enough road to get up to 88. Road? And, um, guess what? You know, where they're going... have enough road to get up to 88. Roads? Well, we're going, we don't need roads. That's right, because this DeLorean has... Uh, not only has had the Mr. Fusion upgrade, but also... Hot diggity dog. It's got uh, hover jets. Yeah. And it fucking takes off and flies right towards the screen. And it's like, it, it was the thing that you weren't expecting, but when you got it, you're like, that. that's the way you end that fucking movie. Like, yeah. And it goes right into the theme. 
I'm not playing that again. I want to get this game. So yeah, it's like, uh, and that's it. The end. And man, it was such a, it was such a fantastic movie. Um, I'm not even gonna ask if you would recommend it because obviously, um, I think we both would wholeheartedly. It's a great movie, and we're not we're not telling anybody anything they don't know by saying that. Um, but it's so fun to watch. Yeah, it's it is one of the best movies out there. It's it's really hard to say. It it it's a fantastic movie. Um, watch it if you haven't seen it. Watch it. If yeah, you haven't seen it in a while. Watch it. Yeah, seriously, just just watch it. Celebrate with us uh, Wednesday, October twenty first, as Back to the Future Day, and give it a watch. Give any of the three a watch. Really, they're all good. Although the first one is 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 very special um, because it has who I will call my Jennifer in it. <laughs> Uh, that's fair and my my George because uh, this is the only movie in which uh, Claudia Wells plays Jennifer Parker and Crispin Glover plays uh, George McFly yeah the second one has all the bells and whistles but the the first one is what started it all and yeah they're they're all fun to watch yeah so um, let's touch briefly. I talked earlier a little bit about time travel, and I think you brought up uh, as well that you were having trouble kind of classifying this movie as a sci-fi because of how the time travel works. And obviously, everyone who does time travel in a movie does do they do the rules slightly differently because, as you said, it's all theoretical. Um, so. One of the things that this movie does is that time, like, it, it's more like Marty goes back and makes alternate timelines where things are different because, and then goes back to those alternate timelines. Mm-hmm. Because how time travel works and a lot of other things that I've seen, I would say maybe more sort of uh, scientifically based, if that's even uh, a thing. Uh, time travel movies is that whenever time travel is present because it takes place in the past everything that you do in the past would have already had to happen so that means that um, Doc Brown always met a younger Marty and then knew that you know um, when he eventually met the the younger Marty in the future Um, and that like all this stuff always always happened like it never didn't happen of course that's not how this movie operates right because the and the one thing we have to uh or the few things we have to prove that are how marty's life changes when he comes back but isn't it interesting to think about the movie if everything that happened in the movie always happened and it was always going to happen because it happened in the past I mean that is I think that's a good way of uh potentially of looking at it versus this kind of like cut and replace um right uh, view on it. That's why time travel's always tough because it doesn't make sense. Right, like 
Yeah, the idea of the past already happened, the past is cemented, you can't do anything to affect it, is usually how it's treated, or it's recursive, or it'll correct itself, or it'll do something. But yeah, in this instance, you could look at it as, yeah, these events always took place, they were always going to happen, and we just happened to catch it at the the start of when this event happened. Yeah, it is... Uh, it's interesting to think about and i like i i think this way of approaching time travel that has sort of a more of a sequential aspect to it like it's all cause and effect and um uh and 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 you know you get um yeah you just get a lot of interesting uh, results that way um so john do you want to talk real quickly about um what we'll be talking about next week well i know future john scared us out of um talking about the one movie we're going to talk we were going to talk about um but i think to end out uh the you know the scary month of october i think uh pop saga presenting pop scares you needs to go to uh, 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 to me, a, a vernable classic in horror movies. We need to go back, uh, and, and back in time, even. Um, so, <laughs> uh, the next one we're gonna watch is a movie that you know. Uh, we'll see how I lo- how we talk about it, but uh, we're gonna be watching the very first Halloween, not not the Ooh. remake. Yeah, I'm I'm scared. Uh, no. to be honest with you but we'll save it for next week so come please join us next week when we talk about the original Halloween and uh, the ballad of Michael Myers <laughs> it's not that's not what it's called but um, yeah we'll be talking about Halloween and um, uh, until then I just want to say I hope everyone out there stays happy stays healthy and don't go back in time uh, because your mom might try to have sex with you. <laughs> Any final thoughts, John? That slush at the bottom of your trash can with combination. <laughs> Terrific. Saga, you know we keep it groovy. We talking cartoons, books, TVs, and movies. A couple of nerds, but got style. We so cool. Pop culture, talking new and old school. Yeah, you should know we love hip hop from the roots. Ty Lib, shout out to Feral Munch. We giving you what you want. It don't get no lava. Ain't no doubt we got you. This is Pop Saga. Let's go. Oh yeah, you heard right. This is a lifestyle. Welcome to the nerd life. Pop Saga.